Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Attention. Attention. They are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL prime time featuring Joe C. And then he couldn't fire his glutes later. Matt Hayes. I like dudes. Mia O'Brien. Can you take me higher? And Leon Searcy. Bringing you love, peace, and soul. How you like me? Original playoff weekend, one of the best that you can, as a sports fan, consume. And it's the last time, I believe, that we will mention on XL Primetime, what were you doing a year ago? This is probably the last time we will do that because this time a year ago, you were trying to figure out what Jamal Agnew was doing near the goal line. Uh, Why did it have to happen? What Chad Henney was doing, not just near the goal line, for like 90-plus yards uh, as he marched down the field against the Jaguars defense. That was all a year ago, uh, and here you are a year removed from that and removed from the postseason as well. So we've got the divisional playoff round complete AFC-NFC championship games are in, so let's just go through them. We're going to just rock and roll, talk about all the big storylines. The biggest, of course, is the Bills losing last night, so we'll probably start there. Thanks to Mokama Beer Company. Mokama Monday with great craft offerings Tuesday through Sunday up there in beautiful Bernardina Beach. They're right there on South 8th Street, and they got their brand-new Wildlight location. So head on into Wildlight and find them there as well or on the shelves selling some great uh, either IPA or Sours, Pilsners, Lagers, whatever it might be, Mokama.com. Make sure you check them out. So let's get into the last game we saw, and let's go through everything because, you know, as a Jaguar fan, as a Duval Nooner, everybody's out there going, man, we were there. How did we not, you know, get back to the tournament? And, Leon, you know how much that sucks when (laughs) – Josh Allen said it seven different ways. You know, what does it feel like right now? It sucks uh, because everyone's going to lose except for one team. Uh, And last night – the Buffalo Bills had a chance to exercise a demon and move past the Kansas City Chiefs, and the leg of Tyler Bass did not allow them to do that. Yeah, listen, I firmly believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are in Buffalo Bills' hands. They had everything lined up, stars, stadium, weather. Everything was supposed to be in, in perfect position for them to win this game. And if you, watch, if you look at the statistics, the Buffalo Bills led in every statistical category except the W. Mm-hmm. Every, scoreboard. Everything except the W. And you had to know that when Patrick Mahomes got that ball or when Kansas City had the ball, somehow you just knew they were going to win that game. I mean, you just knew it in the fourth quarter, late, with Patrick Mahomes at the helm that they were going to somehow win that game. And I just think that the Buffalo Bills knew it, Kansas City knew it, and they got it done. I mean, KC is just like, I mean, listen. It, it, it was like KC. I want to say they were toying with them, but they knew that if we made this a fourth quarter game, that we were going to pull it out mm-hmm. somehow. That, that's that's just the way I feel. The it, didn't matter, it didn't matter what Buffalo did during the, during the first three quarters, or whatever. KC wanted to get them in the fourth, and they were going to find a way to win, and they did. So let me ask you this, Leon: Will history remember this game for arguably the worst team of the Patrick Mahomes era? making it back to the AFC Championship game, winning a road playoff game for the first time in his tenure as the starter? Mm -hmm. 
or for the Buffalo <clears throat> Bills, somehow, some way, for the second time in history, what? missing a field goal from 44 yards out. Because, yes, if you go back in the history books, that missed field goal against the Giants in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. also 44 yards out. Torturous. It, yeah. Is that what this will and be remembered both of them for? wide right. Correct. Both of them wide right. Is that what history will remember? Well, it for? I, you, you could easily say that this might be Kansas City's worst team, but probably their best defensively. That's true. Their best team very, defensively. Very true. They, their defense keeps them in games with pressures and interceptions and, and turnovers and all that kind of stuff. But here's the, here's the thing: in order to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. You got to beat the champ. And it's so is I won't say it's po- poetic, but it almost says that next week the Ravens have got to. They at their house though, but they've got to go through the Monty Giants, known as the Chiefs, to get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's almost poetic that they got to get get the. If you want to be the champ, yeah, you got to beat them. Yeah, you got to go. You got to step into the ring and you got to knock them out. And uh, the Baltimore Ravens, there was a, a period, uh, at the very least, the first period of that game where they were kind of on the ropes a little mm-hmm. bit. And I, I was thinking to myself, be more been here before, and and they they figured it out, they sorted it out, and they took care of business uh, and dispatched the Houston Texans, but. When you think of what happened last night, what in the DeMar Hamlin was Sean McDermott thinking, okay? Trying that, to give DeMar Hamlin a moment. That's exactly. what he was thinking. You uh, cannot deny that. As soon as I saw them zero in on number three, it, I went, oh, no. But, okay, it, it, like I understand you want to give this, this, this kid a moment because this all takes you back to DeMar Hamlin when he had the collapse on the field, and we all know just how emotional everything was and how serious – everything was and then he was able to come back and be part of the football team he's not a regular performer on the football team and they've had a ton of injuries that they had to deal with look you can shine a light on DeMar Hamlin if you want if you're Sean McDermott the head coach of the Buffalo Bills but in no way shape or form Matt no way shape or form would you do that inside your own 30 feeling that desperate and that 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 will qualify the NFL's version of fourth and dumb. So you, you said a key word there, desperate. Mm-hmm. And and this is just my opinion. I don't think it has anything to do with Demar Hamlin. You know what it had everything to do with Pat Mahomes. Yes, he, he wanted to stop him. He like in other he words, he could not stop Mahomes. So the only way to get an extra, to get an extra possession is to do something funky. Yeah, they had no they Mahomes was white hot yeah. from like the second quarter on. They couldn't stop him. Their defense yeah. in the secondary. Yeah, it couldn't. You're, you're talking about like. About we talked about this last week about the Kansas City receivers. Who are these guys? Yeah. But they just go out there and they just keep playing. They keep making plays because of Mahomes. And me, the idiot, when we were making the picks, I said, you know, I can hear JJ on my shoulder right now saying, dude, Mahomes. Dude, Mahomes. And I don't know why we all don't just say that at this point. Yep. Well, Because we, it's all we have, about him right now in the playoffs. Yeah, we have. I just didn't want to – I didn't think. Not like I didn't want to. I didn't think. And, and I have admitted to you all, I got a little anti-Mahomes in me, Okay. I got a little anti Mahomes in me. I can't. I can't well, deny it. But I thought Josh Allen was playing as good, Leon, as anybody yeah. on the planet. Well, well, Mahomes is. You know what he's like. He's like the Brady effect. You remember when the, when Brady was with New England Patriots? How how much you rooted against Brady because yeah. the Patriots won so much. You got tired of seeing him. You made you see in red. the championship games and yeah. the Super Bowls. Well, it's now the Mahomes effect. Yeah, we're getting tired of. The, they've won the. They've gone to six straight AFC championship games. They go to numerous Super Bowls, and we get sick of their greatness. But yeah. you, what you got to do is you got to sit back and applaud it. You do. You, you have to applaud it. their greatness. Now, in the middle of the first half, this game was on the ropes for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He was making some poor decisions and poor throws. Anti Mahomes with stuff that you just don't see very often. He had 
Valdez Scantling in the mm-hmm. corner of the end zone, wide open, overthrew him. He made some poor decisions. He missed on some shots, too. Oh, my gosh. Surprised me. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is starting to really tilt in Buffalo's direction. We all watched it. Buffalo kept running the ball, could not be stopped, could not be stopped. Mm-hmm. But there's something about Josh Allen and a football game where there's almost too much time on the clock for him because something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then in Mahomes, this case, there's always enough time left on the clock for him to do it. Now, so – so the, the the McDermott decision, you guys hit the text line, 641 It really didn't cost okay. him at all. It didn't cost him no, one single bit. No, it ended up bit. going okay, but that, being that's, negated. That's a whole other subject. Because but, of the worst call in the history of sport. Yeah. The worst rule, I should say, right. in the so history of sport. We'll, we'll get to that, but like Doug Peterson gets clobbered all the time for going forward on fourth down, making some dumb decisions. The Bills mafia has to be beside themselves for, for that decision that he made on his side of the field, and then they got off the hook with like JJ just described one of the worst rules in sports when you fumble on outside of the goal line through the goal line into the end zone it is ruled a touchback and the other team gets the football it's one of the dumbest well, things well, what ever. what do you think it should and be and that got him off the hook. how what do you think it should be ruled then uh it like should, every other yeah. fumble Any, that goes anywhere, out of bounds it doesn't mm. advance offensively it if anything, if you want to, like, hurt the offense, make them take it to, like, the 10-yard line or the 15. But, like, if the defense didn't get possession okay, of the ball, why right. the hell are we giving okay, it to wait, them? Okay, well, I tell you what. What about if it's a touchback and it goes back to the 20? Okay, right. but does the offense keep it? The offense it? keeps it. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I, I wouldn't mind that. Something <clears throat> like that where mm-hmm. you don't lose possession. And believe me, I was on the Bills' side of this. That was my betting side of this. Yeah. And so when they got off the hook like that, I was happy that as, a, been a as a wager guy. But it's still the worst, one of the worst rules in sports that you lose the ball. And then Buffalo could not take advantage of this. And mm-hmm. the two throws that Allen will regret for a long, long time, I'm sure, as he had a guy streaking to the middle on the post in the end zone, and he – Underthrew him. He just did not make the right throw. And then on third down, also, again, did not make the right decision. Uh, and then they relied on the kicker, and the kicker uh, ultimately let, let well, him down. Well, I'm pretty certain that there's somebody after this game that, you know, last off this season had a lot to say about his quarterback. Sure, he won't have a lot to say this season because not only did he go three for 21 in the game, but he went Calvary uh, – well, we called it in a production meeting. It went all Calvin Ridley on the on the deep deep ball. I'm just upset we haven't gotten a cryptic tweet from him or huh? his brother yet. I was waiting, waiting. If for you the, can't for tell, the, I mean, they, I'm just saying if you run talking your, about digs, we're talking about digs. Yeah, we're Stephon talking about Stephon Diggs. Had a 70 yard scoring strike in his mitts and and did not bring yeah. the ball in. And it wasn't fair for me to say Calvin Ridley, but I, I, you know, we've seen enough of that this season. But well, heck, you got to make that catch. You get them hands on it. I, and JJ, I was it like reminded you. me actually not Christian of Ridley, Kirk. but of Kirk's exactly Kirk, against yeah. the Chiefs yeah, yeah, last yeah, season. It was. Yeah, that think of Christian catch. Kirk twice against the Kansas City Chiefs. Won mm-hmm. this particular weekend a year ago yeah. when that ball was in his mitts, and Josh Allen made a beautiful throw, and Stephon Diggs had cleared the defender. Yeah, well, you see, I, that's why I tell you. I mean, I'm not sure a lot of these guys want to be legends. But in the playoffs, you got to make that catch. Yeah, big time players make big time plays and big time moments. You, yeah. you, the whole dynamics of the game change if you make that catch. The whole dynamics of the game change oh. because now Josh Allen's got the confidence to go deep ball on you because he knows you're going to catch it. But when you drop it, 
and you know, minimizes his efforts. Yeah, you're you're looking for those great moments in the postseason. You have said it so many times. Being in the postseason, those are the ones that define yeah. you. And you've seen so many acrobatic catches from great receivers that have done it year after year and and and, and postseason after postseason. And this was a chance. And Diggs, by the way, got clobbered early. A couple of hits mm-hmm. really took some shots. I don't know whether he was shot away from the ball or not, but that one was one that would have had him step into a, a or step onto a playoff postseason stage of greatness mm-hmm. and he didn't do it all right so let, let we got that one who do you blame is it Josh Allen is it you know just the defense because look you want to talk about a lot of injuries Buffalo Bills had to deal with a ton mm-hmm. of injuries uh and then the Mahomes magic uh, rises up once again let's go to the other ones which one the fact that the Green Bay Packers went toe-to-toe with the San Francisco 49ers, and it wasn't until the end when Jordan Love finally made a mistake because he had made some poor decisions up until that point, and yeah. San Francisco didn't make him pay for it, mm-hmm. and then finally they did. Well, 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 Joe, he threw the ball like he was tired of playing. It was weird down the stretch, <laughs> yeah, dude. For real. He rolled out, bro. First of all, he could have ran. He yeah. still had a lot of time on the clock. I don't know, it was what, 45 seconds left on the clock or something? Yeah. He only needed somewhere between 20 and 25 yards to get in the field goal range. And he threw the ball like he was tired of playing. I mean, you don't make that throw. It, it was no, it was the Brett Favre. It was no desperation against the Saints. It was it, the dumbest. It, it yeah. was no yeah. desperation needed in that play to make that kind of throw. That's why I understand it. And he had played so well leading all the way up until I. When I'm watching the game, I'm saying to myself, the Niners are on the ropes. I had never. I seen the Niners get blown out by the, the Ravens mm-hmm. in that game or whatever. But in this game, the, the play calling and his execution. And Aaron Jones running the ball, and Ooh. the run play they were running, bro. I'm telling you, the run play they were running. He had a we ran this in Pittsburgh. It was called toss 38 U crat or 39 U crat. And instead of the tight end being next to the tackle, all they did was flex him. And then if you're the center, if you can get to the mic, you pull. And they were they they cracked on the end, and they pulled the guys, and they that's all they ran. And they kept and showing. They stop it. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the play-by-play people were. Anyway, they kept showing some really good decisions blocking-wise by the receivers mm-hmm. to keep giving Aaron Jones those lanes uh, to attack. And it, it it was. It was a clinic in a lot of ways. And, and the mentor and the pupil, they Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur, those two guys, one learned under the other. Mm-hmm. And Matt LaFleur had – Shanny's and, and Steve Wilkes' defense on the ropes. And just to go back to what J.J. said as far as it was the Brett Favre throw, one of the greatest games I ever watched uh, back was at Minnesota and New Orleans. And Brett Favre had an opportunity to make a play and extend his <sighs> reputation of greatness, and he threw it And I think they body. were in field goal range yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. But he's running to, rolling to the right and throws it right back into the middle of the field with nothing but traffic uh, in Saints Unis, and Porter picked him off. And then Porter, two weeks later, did the same thing to Peyton Manning. Mm. Same thing. And so those are the moments, like you said, that define you. While we're on the subject of legends, I have to read a series of tweets that is either going to have your eyes rolling or you're mm. going to be pumping your fist in celebration as you drive around Duval right now. David Lombardi. Very talented 49ers beat reporter for The Athletic. At the end of Saturday night's game, Leon tweets the following. Brock Purdy answered every single doubt and criticism by delivering a comeback playoff drive that has immediately become part of 49ers legend. That's what Joe Montana used to do. Mm -hmm. To which, to which, 
at David underscore C underscore Steel on X, who I, I don't know who you are, but this was a fantastic response. Quote, what an awful week this has been for sports journalism. Mm. One of my buddies, Todd Bromelkamp, who is uh, one of the hosts on ESPN 1600 out in Cedar Rapids, of course, covered Brock Purdy, quote tweets this and says, my retweet of this should not be viewed as a criticism of Brock Purdy. I'm preemptively saying this because Purdy stands are just short of Swifties and slightly ahead of the Beyonce Hive members in terms of their rabidity. Mm. And he's not wrong mm. because that series of tweets kind of illustrates the point we're at with Brock Purdy. He is a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. He is not Joe Montana. No, no. He was no. clearly illustrated on Saturday night. Yeah. A lot of glove talk going on. Yeah. By a the lot way. of glove talk. A lot of midway through coming out of his progressions while he's like taking the snap. He's trying to dry his hands. When drying he his hands one. and throwing it. Yeah. And it's not like a Mahomes throwing it left-handed or Josh Allen throwing it left-handed. He's yes, it was raining. Yes, it wasn't his best game. I think he's a good quarterback. Well, do uh, I think he's Joe Montana? Hell no. No. I'm not even – I mean, he's I, not I, in Joe I think Montana's he's just, shadow. Is he you know, Jared I think Goff? He is. I think he's the quarterback that's playing for the 49ers right now is what he is. That's it. Because – And he's doing I, I exactly I mean, what Kyle Shanahan I don't know what would happen. Like, if he goes to the, the Bears or the Seahawks, is he, he the same player? Up. Yeah. Right. Is he the same player? Yeah. I, I don't well, know. Well, that's the beautiful thing about it is that Kyle Shanahan has constructed <laughs> – and John Lynch – yeah. has constructed a good enough football team that you can not necessarily plug and play, but you definitely can put – capable quarterbacks in there, and they will succeed because of every bit of good that's around them. And by the way, you can see him operate in that pocket, Leon. That is a fun place to be if you're a quarterback because you don't feel – now, they get they did get to him a few times. Yeah, a couple of but times. But, my gosh, he gets to stand back there and feel like he's got a clean pocket all the time. Yeah, all I mean, time. listen, he's got, a, he's got one of the best offensive lines in front of him. He's got a future Hall of Famer blocking his blind side. He's got another Hall of Famer in the backfield with him, Christian McCaffrey, that, that's running the ball. Yeah. You know, they may a Hall of Famer, maybe Hall of Famer. You got Sam Hughes, you know, he got hurt early. Uh, You got Kittle, you got Ayuku Mm -hmm. at wide receiver. I mean, he's got a plethora of talent around him. Now, he's got to be the orchestrator. I mean, you got all right. the instruments. That's you, why I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. Absolutely. Right. Oh, he's good. He's good. He's got to yeah. play within the frameworks of the offense. And right now, that's what he's doing. He's having success with it. Yeah. So you can't knock him. It yeah. is fascinating. We saw it during the three-game stretch because it was the three games and then the bye that Debo Samuel was on the reserve injured list mm-hmm. before returning against the Jaguars during the regular season. When he leaves the game, and I think he's a top 10, top 15 wide receiver depending on the day or the week, and obviously he does things that a lot of other wide receivers can't do. But it is fascinating when he exits the game how they get a little out of sorts. And obviously they were mm-hmm. also without Trent Williams during that four-game stretch during the regular season. But my goodness, I yeah, mean, it's lost. akin to this offense in this town when Christian Kirk exits stage right. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it's like, we, 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 what do we do? Yeah, and, and you need those guys, those pillars, that, uh, that uh, they're pillar performers because they always are sturdy in the moment, and that's the type of guy that you need, rely on. And there's also a plan. Uh, And if you go back and you look at all these games, heck, Baker Mayfield, Mm -hmm. as much as he's been second-guessing his career, stressed the hell out of the Detroit Lions He'd crush it in the 49ers offense. If he was was their quarterback, he would crush it. He's a good Mm -hmm. example of a guy that you drop him in that pod, he's going to be able to – not just yeah. ex- exist. He's going to be able to thrive yeah. uh, because there's so many good weapons. And, and, and let's not ignore Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's made Kate Otten a good, a good target because he's got a big tight end that he can get the ball to. But Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and on and on and on, uh, they're pretty good. When I'm watching that game, the Green Bay against 49, the one thing I learned in watching that game, being an offensive lineman, because I'm, I'm watching the interactions between the defense, mm-hmm. when you stand up to that front four, 
that offensive line, I mean, you stand up to that front row coach. The first thing that the Niners try to do in the game is intimidate you. Yeah. First thing they do, they come off the ball. I see them pushing, fingers in face, pushing guys in the face more. And that that offensive line did not flat. They didn't flinch, not at all. And I'm saying to myself, okay, this Green Bay offensive line ain't scared of them. I said this is gonna be a ball game, kind of like when the Ravens played them, because oh, yeah. they, they build that they True. build their defense, True. especially their front four with Bosa and all those guys on intimidations. Because yep. early in the game, if you watch, go back and watch the game, that 49 front four is trying to get in their head, yep. trying to get underneath their skin, pushing them. Elbowing them, and I was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. this this Green Bay team, this Green Bay offense line is not scared of them." And see, when when once they know that, mm-hmm. now it's a problem. Yeah, because honestly, you saw Warner and a lot of those guys gassed, gassed midway through this game with some big long drives mm-hmm. that Aaron Jones and company were able to keep rolling. All right, here's another. Th- there's two or three things that are popping in my head right now, but I'll just use this one right now. Depth at running back. Okay. Depth at running back. This football team here in Duval had a third-round draft pick that represented zero depth at running back in Tank, Big, Tank Bigsby. Uh, Dearness Johnson, okay free agent signing. You got him for a dime, and you were going to bring him in here and, and just get him to, at the very least, shore up certain areas, down in distant situations, get him out in the screenplay, whatever it is. Zero flipping depth in the run game. Honestly, you take a look at – what the Lions have, the obviously they were able to move up and, and get Jameer Gibbs. We know how special he is. Go get David Montgomery from inside the division. They've got more than just those guys. Take a look at what Johnson and Latavius Murray did. Uh, how old is Murray? I don't know, but he's behind I know, James but look Cook. at all those offensive lines for those teams, too. They're I terrific. Agree. I totally agree. Those so it's a combination. It is a combination. But you had – this was no A.J. Dillon behind Aaron Jones. They just went deeper on the depth chart. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, look but, at the Ravens. They have like six guys. Yeah, yeah. the Ravens but went and got Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Cook and said, give us one more a, a couple of weeks ago. So it's it's unbelievable how little depth was on this football team that you should be able to count on to see, make plays. So you, you say that. I think it's unbelievable how much that middle three on this team regressed, the center and the two guards. Mm-hmm. They oh, regressed yeah, yeah. like significantly. Yeah, uh, you won't get any All argument. three of them. Yeah, you won't get yeah. any argument from me because Brandon Sheriff is not the same yeah, all-pro level Right guard, yeah. and Luke Fordner did not uh, improve from year one to year two. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's no accident that three of the top of, of the, with the final four teams that are left, that three of the best offensive lines in the top five mm-hmm. in the NFL are yeah. still playing. Right, yeah. Lions, Niners, Ravens. Yeah, yeah. they no get surprise. it done, dude. They get it done. And, and the fourth team is there because they have the greatest player yeah, exactly, alive that part. at quarterback. And their offensive line is pretty good too. Well, yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're solid. Yeah. Thune looked really but, good uh, last night. Creed yeah. Humphrey's good. The I mean, tackle, outside the, guys. The tackles, you know. Yeah, yeah. Taylor and Smith are, are like Donovan Smith is a liability, and I, I really want to see how he does against the Ravens. I thought that he right, would be. Creed Humphrey is here. Yeah, and Fortner's oh, down here. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, not even close. Yeah, and, they're not even breathing the same air. Yeah, and so those types of guys, they're engines in the interior part of that offensive line. They're physical. They run it, and heck, Jason Kelsey could have come out topless out of the suite and got right down in there. That type of guy that the Eagles had for so long, that's, uh, and and did it. Listen, what do you think that, Taylor Swift was thinking? No, I'm just saying when what, Jason Kelsey decided listen, to go topless. That's how up you there. retire. When you when you retire, you take your shirt off in the box <laughs> and you got your your, your two fists. And you know what else he did? <laughs> Double fists and beers. Exactly. No, but I can tell you, I don't care what 
what she was thinking. Yeah, it was so funny. Hey, then, well, that's, well, we have, that's only the tip of the iceberg, Leon. Yeah. Then he goes down into the crowd. He starts oh, chugging beautiful. beers with the people. He starts picking up young children, bringing them over to wave at Taylor Swift. He stepped out he of the box. photos. Okay. It was fantastic. And this is Listen. after. Did you guys <clears throat> see the viral moment from yeah. Wednesday? Yeah. He went to his local McDonald's, which he's been going to his whole oh, playing Oh, yeah, career, I heard about that. Yeah. And he brought one of the longtime workers a jersey. to Jersey. Like, yeah. Like, Honestly, Listen, like living he's his a cool dude. living his best life, Listen, and whether you enjoy the Kelseys or not, like we were talking about it, Jason Kelsey has had perhaps one of the most thankless jobs as the center behind the tush push mm-hmm. for the past two years, as the center for the Philadelphia Eagles for the past what fifteen years? Yeah, like let the guy live a little. I'm okay oh, with him yes. him doing what he's doing. Listen, the best thing about it when you retire, you realize your offense line retired, that you never have to run again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ran since 2002. Not, I haven't ran. No, I walked, but I haven't ran since 2002. Oh, I guarantee you this, Leon, with this uh, gimpy <laughs> left leg that I've got, I wish I had never run. Oh. I can tell you that. That stupid J.J. LaSalva in there kind of got me all fired up thinking I could become a 5K-er. Uh, and uh, he's, he's running like the wind, and I got no shot. Uh, I'm done. All right. Uh, let's get into the other games, too. Okay, let's get into what Baltimore did uh, to the Houston Texans, what the Lions were able to do. They had to hold off uh, Baker Mayfield and company and the decision to go for two. That one definitely has been talked about a ton. We'll get into all of it. Mokama Beer Company, they bring you today's show. Don't forget coffee every single day of the week, and they've got the baristas ready to serve you some great coffee up in Fernandina, and then Tuesday through Sunday, delicious craft beer like the Cosmico or the Motor or any of the other great ones that they've created up there at Mokama Beer Company. Sean McDermott, after his one-for-three performance last week, he has tremendous support in the building. If he has to make one for us, the game on the line, he will. 44 yards pass. No, he doesn't make it! Wide right. Mondays on XL Primetime, brought to you by Mokama. Check out their great craft in the tap room in Fernandina Beach. Never question the power of Jim Nance. Never question the power of the announcer Jinx. I felt bad for Tyler Bass. I mean, JJ texted the group chat as soon as the game was ending, and he's like, notice he couldn't take his helmet off. I just think it was cold. That's why he didn't take his helmet off. No, he was avoiding the shame. It wasn't that he was crying. He got one job. One yeah. job. Well, so, and again, this is not on the professional level, but I know, you know, as someone who played the position of goalie most of my life in two sports, um, of my formative years, my mom always texts me as soon as a kicker misses a kick. Mm-hmm. And she's like, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. She couldn't watch. Like, when we would go to, like, penalty kicks or eight-meter shots in, uh, in lacrosse, like, my mom, like, had to walk away. Could, couldn't stand to watch. And she's like, all the blame – None of the well, glory. And, and look, if he makes the kick, and I've seen plenty of our Nooners on the text line saying this too, who's to say that Patrick Mahomes doesn't march down the field exactly. and absolutely yeah. gut, gut you through the air? He had 90 seconds yeah. and two timeouts. All they needed was a field goal. Yeah, don't ever think that uh, you have left uh, uh, little time to where he can't come back and do what he does. The Mahomes magic is real. But at the very least – you know, I wanted to see Josh Allen make those plays, make the throws, of course, because you don't want to put yourself back in a situation where he can come down and beat you. I totally get it. But uh, at the at the very least, I'm like, okay, 40, what was it, 44? 44 yards. Okay, let's at least see what happens after this, and then nothing. I wasn't even thinking about him missing. Me neither, dude. At all. I wasn't Usually either. that <laughs> comes neither. up in your mind. You're yeah. like, oh, this is it. But for some reason, I was just thinking – 
all right, Mahomes has this much time left. Yeah, He's exactly. going to get the ball at the 30 or 25. And did you notice? Yeah. I was just thinking those poor saps are going to get their hearts ripped out <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, Little yeah. did I know it was going to be ripped out from a missed field goal. Yeah, and look, the Bills Mafia, don't feel for them. But the the the, the flags on the goalposts, they were hardly moving. It wasn't like there was this oh, he, sweeping uh, wind from the left. Dude, he missed a 27-yarder bad the week before. Yeah. And so the wind was worse that head. day. I thought the yeah. uh, worst kicker of the weekend would have been Carlson from Green Bay because he is bad. <laughs> He is bad. He's the ultimate boomer bust, but him yeah. you can at least dismiss it as like, oh, he's a rookie, like, ish yeah. happens. Right. Um, with this, I mean, this has been your guy for, what, three or four years yeah. now? Like, yeah. Is mean, there any comparison in any other sport, I was trying to think of this last night, of a kicker? Like, the guy, he has nothing to do with the rest right. of the game. Yep. I guess there's a DH in baseball, but he's still hitting like everybody else. There's a pitcher, but the pitcher is so important. He's like has the ball at every single play. Yeah. That's that's the why kicker, I said like you're on the bench. Ninety-eight point nine percent of the, the game. The maybe the closer. The closer. The, the closer. But the goalie is out there the whole time. No, I mean right. the closer. Like, like when you only, you only yes, have to come in in the, the night. Closer. Yeah. yeah, that might be close. But he's still doing something that other yeah. people do like right. kickers it's so weird they do have a lonely existence <laughs> yeah, it's true we might have to ask scoby about that he's probably listening right now going you savages <laughs> leave me alone leave me alone uh speaking of listening plenty of you uh are listening and weren't too happy with the uh heaping praise we had for jason kelsey uh apparently we've we've done a disservice to duval uh, because you know once upon a time he had negative comments about duval um yeah, well those I mean, that don't forget won't forget. Right. Uh, hey, can't can't help you. Well, out of sight, out of mind. Right now, he's on TV. Yeah, he's performing. Yeah, and, and we're watching. Yeah, and he's he's <laughs> performing. <having> <laughs> he's doing a performance. Exactly. Yes. Like, yes. I, I've got a he's long on tour, list. Yeah, I've got a long list of people who have just Duval. And, right. And you know, there's a bunch of other ones that are way way up there compared to to that. Tony Kornheiser, you savage. Uh, what was his name? Uh, the oh come on, Woody. Woody, what was his Woody, name out there? Woody, Woody. Uh, oh uh, no, Woody uh, from Denver. Yes, Woody yes, Hayes. Yes, yes. Woody, Woody Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Was no, no, uh, it's, no. It's, Woody Hayes was the coach. Woody Hayes, yeah. yeah. Punched, not Woody. Punched, I actually punched, well, Clemson player. My, Woody, Woody Page. Woody Page. Woody Page. Page. Yeah. 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 My cousin somehow related. Yeah. All those Jaguars. Yeah. 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 I mean, but we went over there and we did something about it. though. Exactly. We came in their house. We sat there at their table, ate their food, which was a great. It was a beautiful thing. I love. Great memory. That's uh, for sure. And from the 625, please don't say one bad word about Brock Purdy, the pride of the Iowa State Cyclones. He may un- end up with a Super Bowl ring, the final pick of the seventh round. I got to love it. Well, listen. You guys I mean, said he's a good quarterback. I mean, Mr. Irrelevant yeah, right. is very, very relevant right now. Right. And he yeah. and he does. I mean, as of right now, in terms of odds, you go across any sports book, the 49ers have the best odds to win the Super Bowl this year. Well, I would like for uh, JJ to look up the last uh, seven seventh rounders that <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> that Dave Caldwell and uh, Trent Baalke have selected. Well, wasn't there like seven seventh-rounders just in last year's <laughs> draft so. alone? I'm pretty sure. But it's so funny because, honestly, that if there is not a lesson there mm-hmm. in how valuable a quarterback is and if you can take him late in the, in the draft class, just go ahead and do it because you never know. That was the last player taken, and he's back in now another NFC championship. By the way, just last year, quickly, Leon, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Cooper Hodges, who we know, yeah. uh, Raymond Vahasek, Vah- Vah- yeah. yeah. and mm-hmm. Derek Parrish. Hey, yeah. Derek mm-hmm. Parrish just got signed by the Toronto Aragonauts. See, there about you go. 25 right. minutes Argos. ago. There you go. What great eval that yeah. was. <laughs> Listen, I know the Texans are upset that we were talking about Brock Purdy. We say he's good, but if you, if there, there's a Final Four quarterbacks, right? I mean, who, who are you taking 
Who are you taking? Out of who, these four? Yeah, out of yeah. these four, who are you taking? And, and by you, the you, way. You're not taking Brock over. You're not taking him over Lamar. You're not taking him over Patrick. You probably don't take him over golf. Would right you now. take Jordan Love right mm-hmm. now for the rest of their careers over Brock Purdy? Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I yes. think I might do that yeah, because was, he can oh, move. God. Yes. He can oh, move. Yeah. Let's make this the 10-10 take uh, because of coming out of last night, there was a lot of discussion about the best at that position. Now, Josie's 10-10 take. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pit master since 68. When you hear that cue to text the word Sonny's in for a big game giveaway, you need to take advantage of it. We're talking all that slow smoked barbecue, all those delicious sides, and they will hook you up as you get ready for your big party. So keep listening and make sure you text in Sonny's. Now, I heard the discussion coming out of last night, two best players at that position on the planet, Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. I don't think too many people are going to argue about Pat Mahomes. And I don't think too many people would argue much about the play that Josh Allen has had this year, and in particular down the stretch, just willing his team. But Lamar has to stand up and say, hey, yo, remember me, Uh, MVP? Uh, And and so he's left out of this discussion, which is kind of, you know, it's that recency bias. Just because you watched it last night, it's almost like you forgot what Lamar did the, the day before. Now, Lamar did not have gaudy stats he did not have gaudy passing numbers but when he needed to take over that game he took over that game 100 yards did what he needed to do on the ground it was crazy good that's the 10 10 take how would you what order would you put him in would you put him number three in in a, in a three quarterback race with these other two cats wow um listen I, i'm no longer not picking patrick Mahomes number one okay, I'm done with <laughs> well he's that. not getting away with that he's not getting away with playing not playing well for two and a half quarters against the chiefs uh, it's granted, granted, I do agree with that mm-hmm. because, honestly, he was on the ropes uh, in the first mm-hmm. half of this game. He really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, as we said, when he said, I got to go get this, he went and got it. Yeah. They also, again, looked rusty. They did. And, it, and that's that, part, Ravens? Yeah, Ravens, and that's yeah. part and parcel of the, the first round by and the last week of the season by, true, basically, true. when they did all you, sat out. They, they hadn't played for three weeks. Yeah, and did you see when, when you basically look at that game unfolding, that well-oiled, we're hot right now, Houston right. team came in and, and hit some of their big plays. Well, and like I mean, you that's said, a danger, of course. Yeah. How could that not be a – you're the, you're but, the former yeah, NFL yeah, player. Yeah. How could that not be a danger of you're that on a roll, paid off. you're feeling good, you're, you've just went, you went to San Francisco and beat the hell out of the 49ers. Yeah. You feel like nobody can touch you, and then you sit for three weeks. I hate that. Absolutely hate that. Especially if you're winning – if you're winning, you're on the streak down, uh, going into the end of the season, and mm-hmm. but the whole purpose behind it, you know, back when I was playing, the first two teams got the got the buys, right? You know, so now they just eliminated the one. But when you're on the road, you want to keep playing because you 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 you've come up with a routine during the week, weightlifting, watching film, practicing, all that kind of stuff, getting ready. When you're off that week or two or whatever, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's teetering. I think, I think the Packers were on the road for their last five. Mm. And they definitely were were rolling. They definitely were, and they were a hot team. And they almost picked off one of the best teams. So I I totally get that part of it. But I just felt like once Baltimore evened things out, then they definitely yeah, were but, able to. But take care at, of at no at no point in that game did you think that the Texans had a shot, especially the fact that they couldn't run the ball, and offensively they were getting blitzed. And, and C.J. Stroud had no time to get the ball downfield. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to find out. Let's do a little of that real quick because we're going to find out whether or not uh, they can do that to Mr. Mahomes. That just happened.
happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So this is the weird news cycle that we live in. Thank you to our nooners who are listening to us while also watching the Pat McAfee show. Apparently, Adam Schefter has not tweeted, but just said live on ESPN on the Pat McAfee show, the Jaguars plan on hiring Atlanta's defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, to fill that vacancy here in Duval County. Uh, Adam Schefter, live on the air, says, I'm tweeting it, I'm tweeting it there, there it is. It still has it. The Jacksonville Jaguars hire Ryan Nielsen, yeah. but I don't see the, the tweet. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm a little a little curious. Okay, well, exactly. Let's keep an eye but, on that but uh yeah. but he did say it live on television just now. So um we will be following that mm-hmm. situation. And, and by the way, it's just staying on the Jags. The whole Trent Balky discussion is, is also out there in the ether, and people are wondering, does it have legs? Uh stepping away. You mentioned jokingly as we were, you know, getting ready to go on, you know, just exactly what is in the brain of Balky. I don't think none of us we don't know that. We don't know what's in the brain of Balky. So are you guys ready for this? Yeah. Shefty, my guy, mm-hmm. and this is with all due love and respect for the Facebook audience. You posted it to Facebook before you posted it to Twitter slash X. Yeah, I, I thought he had that hoot he's got a, suite. He's got a bigger. That's a bigger audience. Facebook. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm and hey, intrigued. Is, it's a little bit of a slap not just at for our old man. people, you know. It's not just for old people. I mean, yeah. listen, and we love our Facebook audience, and yeah. we recognize in the multimedia team here, like you know, you need to be playing to them. But if you're looking for He's taking a shot at the new ex owner. He's like, I'm going to give it to what's his face first. Yeah. (laughs) He just tweeted it. Yeah. Okay. Jags are set to hire former Falcons defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. Mm hmm. Uh, we should, that should be worth a that. We'll do it again. There it is. Just, just a a little bit. Double double that. Just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. There it is. It is official. The Jaguars are set to hire former Falcons defense coordinator Ryan Nielsen as their new DC. Per Adam Schefter of ESPN, he has been freed of Arthur Blank's shackles because Bill Belichick is probably bringing Matt Patricia with him to a- the ATL. Yeah, but honestly, I look at Matt Patricia's defense, especially down the stretch up in Philly, and they let go of their original defensive coordinator from earlier this year. Uh, Matt Patricia looked like he was beside himself. Honestly, he did. Now, yeah, Belly will bring in the guys that he wants, and that likely could include him. Uh, but when you think about what the Atlanta Falcons did, and let's just stay on the subject for a second, is that you had loads and loads of talent offensively, Leon, up in, up in the ATL that just didn't all come together the way our, uh, Arthur Smith had planned, and then Arthur Blank bounced him. But that defense was pretty sturdy, pretty solid. Now the question is, who does he bring in? Does he get to pull his staff in? Because the, the whole gang was let go up in Atlanta, so you would think he's going to be able to do that. Well, hopefully he'll be able to do that. The assistants are just as important as the coordinator because they're going to be a part, a part of the development of the guys that are going to be on the team. So, uh, yeah, and whatever scheme he's going to run, it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, what kind of what kind of coverage is he going to run? I'm going to run a lot of man, a lot of zone, 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. bear, all that kind of stuff. So all those things will affect. And do you have the personnel? Exactly. Do you have the personnel intact right now? to run the kind of scheme that you want to run. And if you don't, then that's when you hit free agency. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start mixing and matching as far as trades and everything go. Then you got to go draft well. All that kind of stuff is going to be in play once you get here. He's going to walk. The first thing he's going to do is probably watch all the film. Then he's going to decipher on this guy, that guy, whether he's the keepers or, no, or not keepers. So we will effort getting some of our <clears throat> colleagues up in Atlanta on the air today, tomorrow, to give us more insight into Ryan Nielsen. Mm-hmm. But if you guys remember, I was texting with a buddy of mine up there last week, right mm-hmm. before we came on the air, and unsolicited, he just said, 
for your sake, for Jacksonville's sake, I hope the Jags get Ryan Nielsen. The dude has the makings of a head coach. And then I said, well, you know, what sort of defense does he run? What what would he bring to Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. After the Grady Jarrett injury, their run defense got gashed a few times. He had good schemes, but eventually teams wore them down. Plays a lot of man. They get beat deep a little too often. But he had control of his side of the ball. That kept the season alive with everything going on with the quarterback situation and Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. That sounds like us. Well, yeah, because it can get worn down uh, if the other side isn't doing their half and, and they constantly put him back out on the field. Sounds it, exactly like Mike Caldwell. Yeah, yeah it'll take its toll. Same, Same guy. Like yeah, and, and well, the, the team did unravel, uh, certainly with uh, injuries and lack of playmakers uh, on that side of the field. But I, I guess more than anything else, what you're looking for is the guy who's going to be able to game plan, put it together, and stay intent on, on his job. And that's at the very least, if you want to say what the book was at the end, was not staying intent on the job on that side of the football. Uh, we'll find out whether there was legitimacy to that or whether there were just uh, not as many playmakers as they needed to have. Because uh, Campbell didn't come through like he needed to down the stretch. He wasn't 100% healthy. Cisco, the same thing. Uh, Ray Sean might have regressed a little bit. Uh, Devin Lloyd, ah, you know, I don't know. I, didn't, I don't think we got as much out of him. Uh, in the 17 other linebackers that Balky has drafted in the last couple, last couple of drafts. I mean, honestly. So personnel is still going to be a big, big, big piece of this. And then finding out where, where Ryan Nielsen goes. All right, we'll stay on top of that bad boy uh, and give you as much information as we can going forward. Uh, whatever you know, whatever you think of him, you can definitely hit the text line at 641-1010 and chime in on that or go to YouTube, search 1010XL and offer up a comment there. You can talk about the Jaguars hire. You can talk about the games that we saw from Divisional Round. Really easy, JJ. This is the Yahoo pop-off chat line. Yahoo! So just go there and hit us with a comment. A couple of the other games, like we said, El Boogie had to pull himself up and, and, and basically will the Ravens to the win, and they did. They basically did enough defensively to just really frustrate the heck out of C.J. Stroud. There were only so many playmakers that were out there making plays for them. As Mia said, they couldn't run the football. Let's get to the uh, Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Baker did not make it easy for the Detroit Lions. And his best version of his NFL self was this year. And you'll find out whether or not he stays down in Tampa Town. Not really sure, but he he is a reclamation project, and he won in the end, playing much better than I thought he would. The score right before the half, when he just does a couple of just throws, boundary throws to Mike Evans, and Mike Evans uh, down the sideline, I believe that might have been on third down, then down to the one, and then they get in the end zone. Uh, and then they come back in the second half, and they make things interesting all the way to the finish line. That's what Detroit is. Detroit's going to give up plays defensively, but they did mash on Baker when they needed well, to do it. Well, memo end. to Diggs, that's how – Evans shows you how our number one receiver is oh supposed to play in the gosh. game. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he's got to be our version of Megatron. Yeah. I, I mean, big body, long catches, catch radius, uh, physical, he, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, from the jump now. And, you know, early on he was dropping a lot of those passes. What game were we watching? Was it the Eagles last game? Week, last they, week they against had, the Eagles, he was dropping those long passes. Yeah, I think that whole uh, receiving core had something in the neighborhood of a half dozen drops that night. Mm-hmm. And they were able to come back from that. And then I'm, I'm thinking as far as Tampa Bay goes, I mean, I mean Baker Mayfield – Mayfield may be your future. I mean, he didn't. I'm listening. He threw two picks. I, I I even said that when it happened, when he threw the pick, I said, "Okay, Baker's being Baker." But mm-hmm. he kept him in the ball game. And he was resilient, scrambling around, making the right throws. He had two interceptions in the game, which yeah. was costly, absolutely costly. But I mean, listen, I, 
who are you going to get? I mean, I mean, he seems to be someone that they should, I think, deserves maybe a long term deal, not yeah. no crazy money, maybe a two year, three year deal or whatever. But I think that he could, he could. He could keep Tampa Bay relevant by the way he Especially plays. Especially when you're looking at the age of a Levante and, and a White and all the mm-hmm. guys on that side they of the ball. Quickly, yeah. That side have to of the ball, de- they're very old. Yeah, they're going to have to make a decision on some of those things. Now, Antoine Winfield Jr. is a stud, okay? That, mm-hmm. that guy is running the back seven uh, for that football team. But, yeah, they're going to have to make some, some of those types of decisions. Uh, but Detroit, all in all, uh, they got such star power. They got so many different playmakers. Uh, and I like their chances. They're a touchdown dog going on the road to San Francisco. And if you consider Detroit is a seven-point underdog and the Green Bay Packers, I think it moved to 10 right around game time. So they were a two-score underdog to the San Francisco 49ers. But, heck, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm going into those meeting rooms this, this, this week saying we got to get it right. We were ripe for an upset this past week. And they were able to at least hold off and, and force love into that mistake. So they're saying Debo Samuel 50-50. And yeah. we were mentioning this at the top of the program. Like, I just couldn't get over. Of any piece in that machine, you would think it's Christian McCaffrey. You're uh-huh. without him, and that's yeah. where, you know, things go awry. But the fact that not having Debo Samuel was what made that offense a little wonky, combined with the weather and the factors, you mm-hmm. know, the inclement weather, yeah, sure. But that's the one that I'm interested whether he plays or not, how does that – they'll obviously be able to have a week plus of a game plan now mm-hmm. to prepare mm-hmm. without him versus with him. But that's the X factor for me. I can't remember – Because don't forget, the three games he didn't play during the regular say, season – I was going to say, how many games did he miss? He missed three and uh-huh. the bye, yeah. and they went 0-3. Yeah. They also yeah. were without Trent Williams without during Trent. that same stretch. Yeah. And that's, that's – honestly, those are two huge pieces. But down the stretch, some of those Debo numbers were really, really impressive. And it was unlocking a few other things on that offense like we're talking about. Uh, McCaffrey's McCaffrey. I mean, that guy's still – did you see the lane that he got to run through uh, with what those guys were doing uh, uh, up front? My gosh, man. Uh, and he ended up going for a couple scores and, and big yards when he needed to most. But two quarterbacks were forced into late game decisions that they'll regret. The Baker throw, like you're talking about. And then, obviously, the Jordan Love throw, throwing across his body right back into the middle of the pack, which was just nuts. But those are singular moments where these guys were both in one-score games trying to will their underdog team to a dub. Well, Green Bay was in a situation where they were up, what, 21-14, and then Jordan Love throws the ball behind the receiver, gets tipped, and they get intercepted. Now, the defense Mm -hmm. for the Green Bay Packers only gave up 13 yards, even though they were on on their side of the field, and they forced them into a field goal. So, I mean, there were situations where that, that Green Bay team could have just taken control of the game and could, could have put the 49ers back on the heels, and they, they, didn't, they didn't let it happen. So, it was unfortunate. Uh, I, I, I thought for the 49ers, for the first time all season, outside of the Ravens game, they looked human. You know, they looked like they, they, they weren't imposing their will on the team. Mm-hmm. Every, for every shot they gave Green Bay, Green Bay came right back at it. And that's yeah. what you got to do. You got to stand the bully in the face, stare yeah. him in the face, and you got to go blow the blow for it. And I think for Green Bay, for the most part, they did that. And they squandered the opportunity because they had a chance to win that game. You know, I, also, I mean, the Niners also started playing really good defense in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like the last yeah. three, four series were, they were clamping down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, and it, I mean, it, it, what the Packers were doing previous. When it looked like, wow, I'm not, I'm not sure the Niners can stop them in the second. Right, just completely locked them down. Completely. Yeah. and it is funny when you can just do one little scheme change or whatever, and you can get to the quarterback and make him doubt it, or or those Start guys more pressure. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah, and basically that's what they were doing, and that is a good four. Okay, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the last play of the game, they rushed four. Yeah. And Bosa got the pressure, and he's rolling out, and he throws into quadruple coverage. Yeah, and it's funny because I think of the weapons that Green Bay has had this year and how they've really <clears throat> ramped things up offensively. You fear all those guys on the offensive side of the ball, two tight ends, three receivers, at least one really good running back. Well, what does Detroit have? Two really good running backs, mm -hmm. two or three really good wide receivers, and a legit tight end in, in, in Laporta. So they're going to come in with the same battery of talent, and we're going to find out whether San Francisco can handle it or not. All right, let's get into the uh, 1 o'clock hour, uh, and there's at least some news, portal news, rankings uh, for recruiting news coming out of this weekend, including another five-star quarterback pledged uh, over the weekend to Tennessee, so we'll definitely touch on that. We also, per the text line, really didn't get into some of the, I don't know, what do we want to call it, Jaden Rashada issues and some NCAA of the – NCAA investigation. Yes, the NCAA, invest, NCAA investigation into the University of Florida. So we'll touch on that and uh, maybe even talk about shivs again. Say what? It's XL Primetime. <laughs> Mondays on XL Primetime, brought to you by Mokama. Check out their great craft in the tap room at Fernandina Beach. One o'clock hours here, XL Primetime. Thanks for hanging out with us. A cool Monday. If you are out and about, we appreciate you tuning the dial to 92.5 FM or 1010 XL on the AM or however else you get us, whether it's uh, streaming, the apps, whatever. We appreciate it for sure. Joe C., Mia O'Brien, Maddie Hayes, Big Surson, JJ, uh, cranking it out. We need to get in some college ball. We've been talking about divisional round weekend and, and certainly some big storylines. And here we go with Pat Mahomes, another championship game setting uh, for Mahomes and Andy Reid, for that matter. But they will play this one on the road instead of at home against the Baltimore Ravens. And you've got my Detroit Lions against the San Francisco 49ers uh, in the NFC. But let's start before we get to some college ball with the biggest piece of news for your Jaguar fans, all of Duval, uh, that Ryan Nielsen is a guy that is being tabbed as the new defensive coordinator coming out of Atlanta off of the Falcons staff. And so he's a guy, I want to say, do you remember the day that the interview process took place last week because Chris Harris and others were mentioned in that interview cycle anyway? I don't know whether it was a one-time lengthy interview. Bottom line is is that uh, Schefter's reporting that he will be uh, Doug Peterson's defensive coordinator. Yes. Um, I, I think that this this is a home run hire from what I've been told and people I'm talking with in Atlanta. We're hopefully going to get a couple of them on the air at some point over the next few days. Um, what is curious about this hire is one of the best names on the market. Mm -hmm. We know that he was initially blocked by the Falcons and Arthur Blank, but after they went through their first round of head coaching interviews, decided whatever direction they were heading in would not include Ryan Nielsen and then made him available. Don't forget, the Jaguars were also blocked from interviewing Ajero Averro, the highly regarded defense coordinator in Carolina, who right. was also interviewing for head coaching positions elsewhere. So that's what's so interesting about this is the Jags could have continued to wait it out, but they felt like they had their guy. Mm -hmm. And so that says to me that definitively – you know, in the words of Doug Peterson, again, I know the whys. I know where the problems are. I, I know where we need to fix things. And so it well, it felt like this guy checked the boxes and they wanted to snag him before he went back on the open market. I'm happy, but I, I will admit 
Matt, that I was, you know, the guy that was kind of saying, hey, you may have to wait a while because if you're going to like aim high, let's just use Leslie Frazier as an example because that's right. one of the guys that I that right. I really loved uh, hearing his name and, and the possibility of bringing him here anyway, that we were going to have to wait because they'd have to go through the head coaching carousel of, of, of interviews. Anyway, Doug Peterson striking much quicker, much quicker. Yeah. Look, I, I, I respect what they're doing, how they're trying to fix things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just think that they shouldn't be done. It isn't just a defense thing. There are other problems in that team, namely with the offense. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're franchise quarterback, you got your guy that everyone in the league believes can be a franchise-type player, mm-hmm. you can't let him down like you did this year. The offensive line was terrible. Receivers were dropping balls. You didn't have a, a run game to speak of. And I get it, there's injuries, but again, everybody deals with injuries and yeah. everybody overcomes. And everybody has second line players that can go in and make plays. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like that's the case here. So whether it's the GM's not getting the guys you need, whether it's the coach doesn't trust the guys that the GM gets, whether it's it's a bad scheme with Press Taylor, there is a lot of dysfunction on that offense right now. That would be the first thing that I would go after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't you know, they needed to get a guy Appointed, I would. Think, I guess my point is, yeah, real coordinator quick. level. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I don't think they're going to do anything. Yeah, I think they're they are status quo, and this is what they're doing. Right, and, and we're going uh, forward, and we'll make it better. Okay, then the other my answer other to than that, personnel, other right. than the okay, ladder guard or something. Answer, or, yeah, is that they they obviously got to get better players, and there's no question they need to be better. They need to be coached better on that side. Yeah, I mean they need to get better starters, and then they got to have well equipped backups to come in if those starters are hurt during the season. That's the one thing that. The excuses that were made about this team when they when they get well, we had a lot of injuries. Hell, everybody has a lot of injuries, but mm-hmm. the guys behind who come in, they supposed to be able to step in and supposed to play and not miss a beat. Everybody else in the league is doing that. Why why can't the Jaguars do it? And, and as much as we're in awe of the first and second round picks, your third, your fourth, and fifth rounds are the mean potatoes of your teams. Mm-hmm. Those are, your, are those are your linemen. Those are your guards. Those are your interior D linemen. Those are your uh, in outside like the special teams guy for for so long this team over the last couple of years or whatever does not do a good job in getting the meat and potatoes of this team to produce. You know what? Guess what? A second round pick, you know what, can actually play in the league and play well. Uh, ask the Lions. Yeah. The Lions, do they have a what? Second round? Oh, they, they got. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brian Branch and Sam LaPorta. One's a, one's a pro bowler, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had a couple of All catches. All pro. Oh, and one team. has more catches than any other tight end in NFL history. So, yeah, that part. No, Correct me if I'm line. wrong yeah, here. Yeah. If they were going to do something offensively with play caller, coordinator, it already been done. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't know. Mm. Why? Well, because there's at least – It's kind of an unwritten rule in the league. It's got to get done in the first month so the guy has a chance to get another job. Let me, throw a, let me throw a hypothetical out right. to you here, Matt. What if Doug Peterson gets on the mic, whether it's at the Combine or if Trent Baalke does address reporters at some point in the next month or so before the Combine and says – no, we're sticking with press. I'm just going to be more involved with the offense. And we come to find, I don't know, mid-October, that Doug has retaken play calling and just hasn't publicly stated it because, yes, I know, he's still digging in his heels. He is still standing by his guy. But if what I am hearing and what others have heard are true, that there is friction between Press Taylor and others in the building – how else do you get rid of him besides firing? Sure, okay, you put that out there. Mm-hmm. You build him up, even though he's really just a glorified rah-rah guy leading team meetings. What if you do that next year and you have success? Is that not a lane 
to get him to interview elsewhere and eventually leave? I think that's the route the Jaguars are taking. My intel suggests to me that that is the route they're taking. And so, yes, he may still be here, why? but is it in a neutered, ver- neutered yeah. variety? Why, why the secrecy? Just, just come out and say it. If, if you're going to be taking more control of the play caller, why don't, you, like just come out, why don't you just come out and say, hey, guess what? I ain't like what, what went down this past season. You know what? I'm just going to start calling more plays. I, I would know, like to hear I that. Like that. If I, your quarterback has 60 turnovers in three years, maybe the quarterback coach you got is not the right guy either. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Now let's remember this, okay? We in also the, were preaching continuity at this right. juncture last year. Don't yeah. forget that as well. Well, yeah, they were preaching it, and it just didn't work. Uh, at least it, no. It, we were it, pre- it, preaching it, on this show. Yeah. You were very upset yeah. about Jim it Bob. Failed so. spectacular. I, well, I was going to definitely get to okay. Jim Bob. <laughs> no, no. I like continuity overall as far as the coaching staff. Sure, I'm talking about continuity was what they preached as far as not going out and signing free agents. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I, a, no but I'm talking yeah. about the coaching about oh, the brain yeah, I was trust all about when that. Matt is suggesting yeah. maybe you need another voice. Because let's not forget, Mike McCoy got a lot of credit last year for the job that he did with Trevor. Uh, and the overall offense got a lot of credit it's for what they were able to do business, down bro. the stretch. It's a year-to-year business. Oh, I, I totally no agree. No doubt about and it. And so that, that's why we're here having this discussion versus right. last year when we were doing right. nothing but you know lauding all of them. And, and in the name of Jim Bob Cooter, I miss him mightily. But the rest of them have to do a better job. you miss saying it. They have to do a Come on, huh? be honest. Search your soul. It's the only yeah. reason you, you miss him. I miss that man, okay? <laughs> like you can't imagine. And so – there, there's no question that they got to get more out of the player, and they also need to charge. Yes. They need to charge the player. He's a franchise quarterback, and he has 60 turnovers okay. in his first three years. I hear what I'm saying? Something is wrong right now. Yeah, hear what I'm saying? Something is very hear wrong right now. Hear what I'm saying? Are you going to tell me that Trevor doesn't uh, have some of the blame in this? Yes, I am, but you also have to put pieces around him to help him. I totally get it, but you're talking about a guy that's making too many mistakes on his own. He clearly has the talent to be a winning quarterback in the league. you got to help him. Yeah, I, I, I can think of a lot of people that have a lot of talent that, that, that fail or flame out or whatever. He has got to put it on yeah, I'm himself. Not get, I am not getting off his bandwagon yet. No way. Because yeah. I, think he's, I think he's a guy that can turn it like that. Mm-hmm. If in the right situation with Correct. the right people around him. Right. And if he's got a fire lit under him. Right. And how do you light that fire? Uh, I, I think, think individuals need to light their own fire. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, Some... I'm not disagreeing with you. I, yeah. But but the, at the end of the day, he has a guy that he goes and sees every day in the QB room. That is his guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy's got to do something to help him get better. Right. And and I don't mind saying – like, we're all saying the same thing. We're just maybe putting them in a different order. But, yeah – Doug Peterson needs to say to Mike McCoy, McCoy, do a better job. And Doug Peterson also needs to self-eval and say, I need to do a better job with Trevor Lawrence. I don't want to let this I'd, slip I'd away. I'd be very happy if he stepped up the podium and said, we all failed Trevor this year. Yeah, we yeah, all did. Yeah. It's on all of us to make it right. Yeah. So I got a little bit of interesting intel over the weekend. Since we haven't actually talked about this game, this mm-hmm. may be a great segue. From the Houston Texans mm-hmm. organization, sounds kind of familiar, surface level, to what Doug Peterson did when he arrived in Duval County. The Texans brought in a bunch of consultants made up of ex-offense coordinators who have been in successful winning programs at the professional and college level, ex-head coaches who knew how to set our coaches and CJ up for success. Case Keenum, vital to his his success. He was brought in to be his personal coach and right-hand man. If CJ doesn't like a play, he looks at Case, and Case gets it done another way. Mm-hmm. The professional, The difference in the professionalism compared to the last two years, is unbelievable. Mm. Is that not what yes. we were saying in this town yes. a year ago, too? So that so that's why like I look at the strategy, 
And it's similar. Different results, different year. Do you bring in outside voices? I have been saying it. I would go out and get somebody from the Kyle Shanahan tree. I would go get a quality control coach from Miami who has worked with Mike McDaniel the last two years. Mm -hmm. I would bring in those outside voices, not because it's going to create friction, but because it will at least create a pushback to the ideology of the way we're doing it may not be the best way and also continues to give input into what the next step is for Trevor Lawrence and this offense. Yeah, I, I don't mind the suggestion at all. And if I, Like I said, if I'm Doug Peterson, I need some self-evaluation on the job that I'm doing as a head coach and as an offensive play caller because it is his offense. Let's not mistake that. It is his offense. And when you start looking around, and the, to tie in the, the, the Kyle Shanahan part of this, the chatter was, and remember me telling you guys last week that they looked at, and this is even Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, said he looked at the West Coast offense that Mike McCarthy was running, and he knew how to counter it. He knew how to counter it. Yet, on the other side, Matt LaFleur, who learned maybe a different version or a different whatever uh, set of ingredients with his West Coast version of the offense under Mike Shanahan, who also was a West Coast guy, Leon, and they have different wrinkles and different formations, different run uh, plays that they offer up. And they basically said that they could figure out that West Coast offense defensively a little easier than maybe people think, which Doug Peterson's got to be asking that same question. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, the West Coast, I mean, you're absolutely right. But I, with the 49ers, I think the Green Bay had an issue well, early on because the 49ers, they formation you. And mm-hmm. they, they motion you a lot, you know. So, they, I mean, the Cowboys are pretty stagnant when they're with their formations. The 49ers motion you and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just different variation. I, I, I'm going back to the Jaguars real quick. I know mm-hmm. we're outside voices and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's cool to come in and hear a different voice, uh, what, what player, what coaches have had success. But it's got to be some voices inside that locker room. They, they got to be a little bit more – apparent when it comes to what they're going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that collapse, that collapse, I don't care what anybody say. You can say play call or whatever. You can say Trevor. That collapse is locker room. That, that, that Eagles collapse is locker room. So there's something going on in that locker room amongst them players to have this kind of collapse because you just don't go 10-1 and one and lose <laughs> five out of six, or you don't go eight and three, number one seed, and just – Lose five out of Lose out of that. It's yeah. something going on in that locker room, and it's not being said, and they're not being honest about it. Yeah, I, I like that you're saying it because I think it's as legit as it comes, and that's why I'm putting this blame at the foot of 16 as much as I'm putting it at the foot of the of the coaches because there needs to be hunger, desire, want, work, all that stuff needs to be put in. And I don't, I don't know whether they're putting all the work in or not, mm-hmm. but we have had at least a couple people come out of that locker room saying the not players aren't playing assignment football. Mm-hmm. What is that? That means you got to do your job, yeah. and you're not doing it, right? Yeah, a lot of guys freelancing. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of guys freelancing. And that will get you. That yeah. will get you burnt. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, that's for sure. All right, college football, <clears throat> let's get back into uh, some of the stuff that we were talking about over the weekend, including the uh, NCAA investigation, the look-in uh, to Hogtown on the Jalen Rashada signing, which is going back a couple of recruiting cycles ago, and then also some other good gets or at least commitments over the weekend. We'll do that. Mokama Beer Company, they bring you Monday right here on XL Primetime. Mokama Monday, you can enjoy coffee every single day of the week up in beautiful Fernandina on South 8th Street or pick up some of that craft at ABC or Total Wine. They're selling that craft uh, every day, and it's all their great creations. And then, of course, Tuesday through Sunday in the tap room, and then also their brand-new 
wildlife location. Make sure you check out both of those uh, tap rooms where you can enjoy some Okama up in Nassau. It is XL Prime. It's Mokama Monday on XL Primetime. Head to the tap room at Fernandina Beach every day that ends with Y and enjoy some Mokama. In case you're just joining us or just turning on 1010XL as you drive around Jacksonville, the news of the day that we are following, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, the Jacksonville Jaguars set to hire former Falcons defense coordinator Ryan Nielsen as their DC. Atlanta ranked 11th in total defense last year. Gave up an average of 321 yards per game. The Jags, for context, ranked 22nd, giving up 342 yards per game. Mia O'Brien, Joe C., Leon Searcy, Matt Hayes, and J.J. LaSalva with you till 3. And you know, Matt, as much as obviously today is a football-heavy day as we recap the divisional round and now breaking news out of the bank, I'm kind of surprised I didn't get a text from you. About? Over the weekend, with how many... Court stormings there were in college basketball. How many accidents there were. There was a, at no least idea. two that I know of, including one in women's basketball yesterday. In Wait, which women's basketball had a court storm? Oh, they Ohio stormed it. State. They stormed it, all right. Caitlin Clark collided with a fan, got the wind knocked out of her. It was a little nasty if you watch the video because there is video of it. And that, of course, got the, uh, the court storming police to come out of hiding. <laughs> what, if, what if they had brought a shiv? I was yeah. waiting for the text, Matt. Wait it's okay. Second. I know you were that's busy, a, but that's a flop. There's no way that girl knocked the wind out of Caitlin. Clark. It's a collision. Yeah, it, it, you know what it was? It was kindness on on Clark's part. You know that she just. It's said, a collision. Leon, yeah. is that a flop? Show it to me again. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, uh, in the winter for the way, best I, actress no in the movie. I also see some. I also see some extended arms by Caitlin Clark. By the way, <laughs> did she armbar? No, extension. pushing her. Yeah. This yeah. is what happens. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you allow fans to storm the court. All right. See, look how close that girl got to her, too. You tell me that girl couldn't have had a shiv in her hand? <laughs> easily killed her. Easily. Don't they go through metal detectors before they go in there? What if she's going to shove her with a spoon? We've already gone over this. And the attorney, like, texted on the text yeah, and said, you better stop doing that. Matt has, like, a version of Escape from Alcatraz taking place just inside. The no. building. Anywhere in a bathroom. Break a piece of plastic off, you get, you get a shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to get another attorney. Of course you are. And he thinks that they, you better they stored it. I think, you enjoy it. I think you enjoyed the attacks. You're kind of like hackerish. They stored inside the a cinder block uh, inside the building once they passed uh, inspection. Thank you, 910, who says that Caitlin has a career when she's done at AEW. Um, I, I hope that's Tony. <laughs> that was definitely a flop. That was a flop. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, probably a little shock as well with, with a fan coming at her is possible. I mean, I'm not – listen, like, yes, obviously I root for that team and I root for that player, but, like, yes, could be a flop, but also I'm not against court storming. Like, for Ohio State, this was a massive victory. It's – you know, you beat the number two team in the country. Yeah. Like, I, I, I love them. I, I understand where Matt's <laughs> shiv concerns come from, but, like, I don't know, they were upset – at Tulane uh, upset Memphis their first time beating a ranked opponent – in 53 tries, I believe it was in 24 years on the men's side. And people were questioning that as well because David Jones, one of the Memphis players, um, got slightly pushed. That one was much, much lighter than the uh, the collision. Honestly, you know why I really say that, honestly? Because you never know what's going to happen in an interaction between a fan and a player. You never know. Like a player, a fan could actually hit, hit a player, and then the player hits him back, and then all of a sudden the player – gets ejected for 10 games because he hit a fan. 
You never know. The end of, what, you're in that kind of situation where there's it's very volatile. Number one. What can you do about it though? Well, you can well, just put guards, keep, cops, keep all over the corner. Uh, around the court. Is there well, enough for like ten thousand people? I know. You gotta watch. You also, you also, by the way, with three minutes to go in the game, you say if you storm the court, you will be arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and you know we have a, a lot of problems uh, filling up our jails uh, right now, <laughs> and I really don't want to have those people get booked in. Yeah, it seems oh, like, like a waste of resources. Yeah. You sound like North Korea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. No, you reading the rise and the fall of the third right? Yes, I sound exactly like phenomenal too. The whole point I'm making is if somebody. You never know who's in the crowd, man. You oh never know. Most of the time, <laughs> I mean, it's so, everything some does crazy work out. guy could easily just take a pot shot at somebody, not yeah. with a shiving, like punch him. Yeah, well, all and I then the player punches back, and then all of a sudden I the agree. player's just it bad could guy. Happen, but it just never does. Right. As an example, like if we were to eliminate storming the field or storming the court, teams that do it on a regular basis, which is still a mystery to me, that Clemson just does it all the time, but that's right. just what they do. Seems fun. Uh, it, you would just say, "Hey, we're taking that away from you. Uh, you've done it." Uh, well, it's not been... really stormy at Clemson. Yeah. They just—it's like a gathering. Well, yeah. but they all That's go out on the field. What? What? We can't <laughs> slow roll somebody with a shiv. I think we can, uh, and so it can happen. On you know, yeah, you're using. <laughs> I would argue yeah. most shiv users probably do it very slowly. Skill They're like, like yeah. Attorneys in Jacksonville. <laughs> what I need you to watch, Matt Hayes. This is the end of the Memphis Tulane game again. This was on the men's side. Another court storming <laughs> this weekend. I need you to watch all the security guards in their lime green shirts. They have this thin rope, and they run onto the field. They get there quick enough, huh? Yeah. To no, try and rope them they off. They all came from the other direction. And they're all falling down. Yeah. They tried to rope off where the players are. <laughs> Barney Fife lost the sight of where, this, where, folks. where the uh, fandom like, was coming from. All the fans from. were coming from the other direction, and yet they roped off, I guess, where the players were, so a collision like what Caitlin Clark experienced wouldn't happen. But this little thin rope is supposed to prevent why do I have, like Here's the deal, why Matt. Do I have, why do I have Costanza in my ear right now going, you know, we have a society here. <laughs> It's a deal. We get out of the way. They get out of the way. Yeah. So, Listen, so, so, when there's security getting paid like $10 an hour, right. they're not going to like – They're not risking their, life. Yeah, they're not putting themselves on the line to stop some college students from getting yeah. on the court. Well, so, so, Matt, were you ever on the field when – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what game oh, yeah. was it? Were you Many. Con- were you concerned? Many. Were you concerned? Yes. Concerned? Yes, absolutely. Did you go running? No, I wasn't Scared? running. I was dodging. What? Oh my God! This is Bob where it comes from. Bob and we. This is yeah. the genesis okay. of the of the. Yeah. I'll tell you. I will tell you. I will tell you. The worst one. one Twelve no, years ago. No, I did. The worst one was um honestly was kick six. The worst Ooh. one because I mean okay. they all got on the field and mm. it was you literally could not move mm. and nothing they, happened. They had to have cops that were like clearing the way for the players to get in the locker room. Yeah. And nothing. Everybody happened. was on the field. Yeah, I experienced that. Um, eighty-eight. In Notre Dame, when they beat us, uh, they they stormed the field when they beat us thirty to thirty one, and you know we I gave a couple for I gave a couple <laughs> of forearm shivers. Bro, I was just gonna say nobody's messing with oh, you. Oh well, I'm just saying. I mean, the Notre I do Dame like fans. the way you you gave the score. Oh yeah, yeah, they're doing thirty. Yeah, they're doing thirty. <laughs> they yeah. mess with you, man. Like, no, they're they not. But, but listen, they they have been waiting all for all their lives for this moment. They, they finally beat the Miami Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. It's, it's criminal, with, and they and they jumped on the field, and I think. I think a couple of fellas. I, I I guarantee a couple of fellas threw a couple of shots at the fans. Yeah. yeah, because they were talking trash. Yeah, or well, maybe not talking trash. I mean, we saw the it's Alabama guy hit the Tennessee yeah. girl a couple yep. of years ago. So well, I mean, we, so yes, there has been assaults happening, yeah. but it just happens they're all the players assaulting the fans. Yeah, exactly, so, not fans doing it. Yeah. The right, but you know what? Though, what you're saying. I, I so we saw Jermaine Burton and what he did, how he pushed the girl. 
Yeah, it was. It we was have so no idea what happened a minute earlier when people uh, running at him. There's video too. everywhere. Mm. There's video everywhere. No, no, not of her. I mean, of other. Of okay. other I thought right. you were Another trying to say that she did him. something right. to him. Right. I'm, I'm just, not saying she did. I'm saying we have no idea what happens to these every, guys when it's. I'm just that's saying. That's true. Everybody works for TMZ, and everybody has video rolling okay. in right. those particular situations all the time. Remember Devontae Adams? I don't know really what came of that. Oh yeah. So those are two examples that we had, and while bad. It just doesn't happen very often. Personally speaking, with everything going on in college sports that makes it feel like it's trending more towards the pros. Yeah, let's not get rid of this. We still have the pageantry of a court exactly. And the mad of all people wants to ruin it. You want to know who I feel bad for? Ruin it, Mister Screw Rivalries. It's all about that. That's me, Screw Rivalries. Right? You know who I feel bad for? Forget about that. I, I tell you the ones I actually feel bad for more than anybody else. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I feel bad for the table flippers that they went in and shoveled their own snow <laughs> the so they could lose. Okay, I feel bad for them. Did you Those see those are the, the ones that got shipped. Well, honestly, had they, again, had he kicked, they the got field shipped goal, by their they kicker. They got gut punched a minute later. Yeah, just when do you want the gut punch at that yeah. point? Did yeah. you see the the, 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 the table flipper that they lit the table on fire and he like his butt caught fire. His butt caught on fire, and they <laughs> yeah. assumed, oh well, it's like twenty degrees outside, and there's snow on the ground. It'll like you know. Listen, we used to work it with lighters. It'll take the flame now. That's another reason why you, this, you got to be worried about storming the court because you got to take care of the dumb people. <laughs> the low IQ because we, the dumb people are just going to do dumb things. Especially exactly. now that so they let them have them booze. They they sell booze now. Well, especially we used to in work basketball. with uh, lighters and brew by Fabergé, like artists back in the day. And so yeah, I I don't feel sorry for anybody that gets themselves like in the that girl situation. that tried to jump from the from the stands over. The hedges at Georgia went right in them. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I'll make that. Hang on. Yeah, right in them. Yeah, mm. yeah. don't discount dumb. Right, that's my you rule. Say it all the time. Yes. <laughs> While yeah. we're on the subject of basketball, uh, a quick little moment, a round of applause, JJ, for our very own Matthew Driscoll here in Jacksonville, officially with 228 wins over the weekend, the A Suns all-time leader nice. in wins. Round of applause, Excellent work, nice. Matthew. Coach Driscoll. UNF is on a heater right now, tied for second. In the A Sun standings, which is nice to see, uh, they picked up important wins. Florida picked up an important win over the weekend on the road against Mizzou, and we'll be looking at uh, these as we start to step into February coming up uh, post NFL. Those races to March Madness will become uh, more and more important. That's for sure. Uh, coming down the stretch. Uh, all right, uh, real quick because we haven't brought this up. We just wanted to bring it up as far as recruiting over the weekend. Yep, another five-star quarterback commits to Josh Heupel. Uh, and a kid that I believe is homegrown, uh, a Tennessee kid, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, those types of recruits, I don't know how long they they how long they all honor their pledges, but that's a pretty big one, especially when you have Emo Luavia, uh with the game that he down. had in the bowl game. I am surprised that Josh Heupel was able to reel in another five-star, Matt. That kind of surprised me. Well, and he, he staggered ordered, him. Yeah, he staggered no, him. Like, I, I, I know that they – I just don't know how many of these guys are happy to redshirt. I know they're getting paid now. Oh, that's George McIntyre of George McIntyre Jacksonville fame. It's yes. his grandson, I believe. Yeah. So, that's – he's – he'll sit for two years. Two years he's going to sit. Right. So, he redshirts one year, sits his redshirt freshman year, plays a little, comes out as a sophomore, How much did he make those first two years? I don't know. I don't – I mean, he's a big recruit. And he's he, making some kind of money. Well, I know. That's, that's kind of what blows my mind. It honestly does, is that – you're a five-star that's going to sit for two years. Or maybe he goes in there and just beats out Nico. How about yeah, that? Yeah, he might. He might. But Nico didn't look too bad no, uh, in that bowl game. Good. And so you got two guys that are either, <laughs> I, I guess, on someone's payroll. Anyway, it's credit Josh Heupel mm. for getting another one. I just I look at this cycle, and I'm like, 
Nico already sat a full year. Now he's going to go in and play, and you might get two years out of him, and then he'll be gone. And then maybe you know, then the next guy he would only play one year and could be gone. I mean, honestly, he probably should have played Nico much more this year. I totally much agree. More. He should, but he you know he redshirted him. He should have. He should have. He should have at least played him in four meaningful games. Yeah, and I think he's going to regret that next year when it's you know he's all of a sudden he's now on the road in the SEC and Nico's never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely different situation to him. Yeah. All right, little college football coming up. Meanwhile, uh, oh, we want to oh, – we'll yeah, continue at least, yeah, oh, okay. we, haven't, we haven't mentioned the NCAA investigation. Yep, we want to talk yeah. about that. We also want to talk about um, already we have players, and I mentioned this in our morning promo meeting mm-hmm. when we were talking about National Signing Day and how it's been devalued, mm-hmm. the, the traditional right, February right. day. Uh, let's talk about how we have guys that have now signed twice <laughs> in the span of a month – for two different schools, yeah. i.e. the quarterback who is heading from Alabama to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Do that and a whole lot more coming up on a Mokama Monday right here on XL Primetime. It's Mokama Monday on XL Primetime. Head to the tap room at Fernandina Beach every day that ends with Y and enjoy some Mokama. You always get a great experience. You can hang out, enjoy some delicious brew. That's uh, the draft brew magic that they make up at Mokama Tuesday through Sunday when it comes to your cold beer and then warm coffee, another kind of brew from Mokama every single day of the week right there on South 8th Street as you enter the historic part of Fernandina Beach and then Wildlight, their brand-new location, little smaller tap room but definitely fun, so make sure you check out Wildlight or their main location. And on the shelves at ABC or Total, if you're picking up some great craft, mocama.com. You can log on and check out everything that they've got. Now, we've been talking a little bit about what went on as far as recruiting, transfer portal, all the different things that have happened, uh, including the Alabama quarterback making his move uh, up to Ohio State. We talked about all the different decisions that have been made really over the last week or so. But, Matt, let's dig into the NCAA digging in to Gainesville and Jalen Rashada and his, uh, you know, I, I always wonder, I don't even know if worry is the right word, but wonder the power that still lies with the NCAA. Is it real? Is it fake? Sure it is. Uh, it's real. Sure. But this whole NIL thing is such a gray area. So give us what, uh, at least what the NCAA is formally looking into with the so, University of Florida. First off, you guys got to remember, it. Mm-hmm. the NCAA is not a, a separate entity that you know manages these universities. The NCAA is the universities. It's all. Yeah, but, it's but, a conglomeration of all the presidents of the universities, and they they choose a president, a figurehead, to be their guy to go out and speak publicly. Okay, so all these rules, all of these rules, mm-hmm. they all approve. Yeah, they no, all we, approved look, NIL. Look, they all yeah. approved the free transfer. They right. approved all of this stuff. Right, okay? and we've gone over who so they that, are. No, no, I'm just yeah, making the foundations. What I'm doing. But what I'm trying to say is that there is a, an investigation arm of the NCAA. Of course there is. So yes. what, you know, what are they doing? And of especially course. in the NIL world, because I so, think it's as gray as it comes. So this with Florida is about the is, is about the Gator Collective and <clears throat> Jaden Rashad. Now, the Gator Collective was not officially associated with the University of Florida before it crapped out and mm-hmm. you know had because of this actually. Yeah. The point I want to make here is the NCAA is not investigating Florida unless there's some connection with their coaching staff mm-hmm. and Rashada or that collective. There has to be a connection there, okay? Much like Avery Atkins of Florida State, mm-hmm. how he brought the he brought the family to the to the guy at the collective guy. What what's what's theirs called? The Spear, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm Aspires, not sure. Tennessee. It's called yeah. something like that. Avery Atkins brought him there. That's why he's been suspended for three games. That's why they're on probation. So, 
my point is this. It's not as simple as it's, well, it's just Jaden Rashad, and he's just trying to get money. There's something is going on at Florida as far as within the coaching staff or a member of that coaching staff. Or did go on. Did go, yeah, did, yeah. did go on. <clears throat> something did go on that forced the NCAA to say, okay, we're looking into this. We're investigating this. Because mm-hmm. they're not just going to investigate it because the kid got, was offered this money and then didn't end up getting it because this Florida let him go. This $13 million dollar deal. Right, right. Yeah. That's, that's not, no, it has to be something that has to be done illegally, an illegal inducement mm-hmm. to play for them. Mm-hmm. And they consider Avery Atkins taking the kid, kid's parents, to the collective an illegal inducement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, how, how much can you sanction them? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm just. Well, I mean, three-game suspension is a pretty big mm-hmm. sanction for Avery Atkins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. With all this dirt going on, Miami's hands are just so clean. Bro, you <laughs> let me just say let me just tell you what let me just tell you what two two different industry sources told me this weekend, one from the NCAA by the way, said that there's many, and the word was many more programs are being investigated. They're just not you're not you're not seeing it. Uh it's not out there because they're not gonna say we're investigating, let's say Minnesota. Of course, of course. Uh, I just I, I laugh because I just sit there and I, I say, Okay, this is the um this is a – we use this – we throw this phrase around a bunch, the wild, wild west, because if you read anything historically about just everything that was going on, it was you, – you've ruled with, uh, with that, with that mm. six-shooter on your hip mm. back then, and it truly was no the rules. wild, wild west. No rules. And so – exactly. And so this is our college football version of the wild, wild west, yet the NCAA wants to serve as Marshall Dillon and every once in a while step in and, and – Right, but they're doing that for a specific reason. Serve up some justice. They're they're doing that because, and this goes all the way back to you know they they started the whole NIL slash free player movement because they wanted to be a more player friendly NCAA yeah. because they knew that eventually the players were going to go after the, the revenue, right. TV revenue. Okay, sure. So they wanted to give them the ability to have the NIL revenue and have a little money and feel good about it, and maybe they won't. All of a sudden, unionize and blah. So this was the long-term goal, okay? Mm-hmm. But they never had any kind of guardrails for it. And then, six months down the road, when it clearly was out of control, then they start complaining about no guardrails. Then they start – it's amazing what they've done in, a, in about a three-year period, how they've literally – you know what I, You know what it's like, Joe? And I mm-hmm. wrote about this today. Mm-hmm. It's like the great the – land, the land grab of 1898, I believe it is, the boomers and the sooners. You know, it was all the Oklahoma Territory, right? Yeah. The, the, the boomers were the people that went out there to get their territory once the, once the day hit. The Sooners were the people that kind of went back a week early and kind of like, you know, sat on it. Uh-huh. And then Squatters. They hid. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. hid. And then, boom, that's where Boomer Sooner comes from, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So, so that's really what they're looking at right now. Instead of getting a bunch of Boomers, which they wanted, they got mm-hmm. a ton of Sooners <laughs> with a bunch of programs trying to figure out a way to beat it. Yeah, and it, that's where they are right now. Right, and I don't doubt for a moment that whenever they came up with the NIL and they said, "Okay, university, uh, you have to keep, uh, you have to be hands off in this situation," uh, but go ahead and point us to your biggest donors so we can go ahead and set this collective up. I knew it was never going to work. There's always going to have to be some cooperation, and, and whenever you have cooperation between the university, university and the boosters, you know there's going to be some finagling. Because how would the boosters so, know who they are supposed to pay? Of course, you know, of exactly. course, me, yes, yeah. they're not just going to randomly pay someone if the Coaching staff doesn't, doesn't really want, want them. them. Exactly. Right. Of course. Look up that uh, list Look, of commitments. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, it's. I'll hand them all cash. What, what, the, what, they're, what they're trying to do right now, it's a last grasp for power, is what it is. Because if they can keep those 40 to 50 programs from breaking away and being their own league, they can still. 
they can still be under the NCAA umbrella, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they still yeah. have that ability because once they break away, and here's the key, mm-hmm. once they break away, eventually they're going to take their basketball with them. Mm-hmm. And once they take their basketball with them, bye-bye NCAA tournament, right. bye-bye NCAA. So this is like a last grasp of like a power struggle. Yeah, and I just don't know whether or not they're going to be able to hang on if they sanction somebody. I don't, I don't know if they are either. Yeah, the tournament factor and all of that is just fascinating. Oh yeah, that's like, that's, that's the, it. They are desperate to hold dollar, on to that tournament because it makes everything for them. Yeah, it's their billion dollar baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out a second shout out of the program to nine one zero on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I miss the days when someone like LSU would drop a bag, then the NCAA would go investigate the Tigers in Missouri instead. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't happening. Oh, uh, fantastic. But I just I, – I, I wonder because I can't help, Leon, like you said, you're down there squeaky, clean, and all this kind of stuff. And remember all the chatter that was going on with the Life Wallet and, and everything that Ruiz was, uh, Ruiz was at least at least purported to maybe be doing? Mm-hmm. And there was really nothing that came of it, came of it. yet there are plenty of big names that are being signed down there in Mario's class. And I know the NCAA is more and more powerless every single day, but they got to be looking around like, how do we – how are we well, even expected to police? Well, listen, if you stuff. want to do it the right way, just look at Miami, how they handle their things. We're, we're, above board. Above legal, board. Legal. Yes. And no prospect has not right. been paid. Everyone's because gotten their checks exactly. on time. Because one program screams above board, it's Miami. There's no oh, yeah. doubt about listen, it. Oh, absolutely. The, uh, Matt, if one, if one like, guy no, screams above board, it's your it's your money guy. What's his name again? Yeah, Ruiz. 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 Uh, Ruiz. Um, the lunatic on Twitter. What's the worst that could happen to Florida <laughs> here? Same thing with with. Florida State, like if it was a, a coaching staff member, he has to go get, like two years. You get like a three game suspension. Um, you get a suspe- it's Alex Atkins, but Alex Atkins, by the way, I said Avery, the former Florida cornerback. Um, Alex Atkins, same thing. You get which, like by a, the way, a, he got a, a three game suspension, but he's not allowed to recruit for like two years. Right. That's the actual punishment. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And they also lost some, some scholarships. They also lost um, the ability to go out when everybody else does during specific signing periods. They had to wait like four or five days before they could go out. Little things like that. Yeah. So wait a minute. He, he got suspended because he brought a, a family to a collective. He drove, drove them. them. He drove them. To set up. He when facil- they're not supposed to have any contact. He facilitated mm. the deal. You see what? Hear what Joe just said. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you know? How do they know who to pay? Exactly. Because exactly. the coaching staff tells them who to pay. Right. Exactly. They don't just print out a list of composite rankings and say, "Let's go after all these five right. stars." Let's go get Coward. I'm not sure that Billy Napier wants Joe Coward, but Joe, I like Joe Coward. Yeah, exactly. And so. <laughs> Yeah, and it, there had to have been it, it was one of really one of the biggest uh, like are you kidding me type of things that there was not going to be any cooperation or co-op effort between university and collective. That's just one of the more dumber things that they were trying to pass. But now on. there is though. But of now course, there is yeah. now and, and as as it was in specific states, they're allowed to be like the middleman, right? And mm-hmm. and which and, is why Florida Victorious, where you continue to give money to, yeah, I give every in vain. Bit. Mm. Of every is, month. Is I was just about to, to ask Florida. you how much, but yeah. I refrained. Nine ninety. Nine ninety. Nine ninety. Every, every month? month. Every month. Why nine ninety? Shouldn't you be getting something? That's all they for asked that? of me. That's all they asked of me. Although you did get, you did pick up the Alabama. You got a month at the corner. You got a monthly subscription. Yeah. I, hey, listen, I mm. I sent in a note. I'm like, where the hell are the blue chippers? Okay, mm. uh, with, with the check, you know, just uh, with my, like, because honestly, they are one of the top five universities hauling in cash. Mm. And what do they have to show for it? One of the top five. If you go back, I think the numbers were at least uh, available and put out there in 2021 or 2022. Anyway, top five. Joe, I keep telling you, all the money's the same. It yeah. ends up being who do you want to play for? 
Yeah. And well, if there's a reason why Florida – and if Florida's not getting players, it's because those guys don't want to play Well, there. also, let's be clear on this, okay? When you say all the money's the same, it's all the money is the same. It's among, relative. It's not the same. Right. It's relative. Yeah, uh, among the top universities. Yeah, like I, like like Alabama could offer Joe Coward 175000 and Florida offers yeah. him 165000 Right. The one difference is, at least as far as I'm concerned and what I believe to be true, is that Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and whomever – they were ruling college football. True. Now the other ones with deep pockets yeah. get into that conversation. Yeah. And so now – That's the good you, of NIL. Right. If you can match the money and then have a program that can win and give that player his best spotlight, then they can get into the party with the bigs. Real quick, before we get it back to the Jaguars in the 2 o'clock hour and say hello to our next guest, I did want to read the following, Matt, because it's arguably the biggest news – landscape-wise in college football over the last two weeks. Ohio State, in the last two weeks, has added Bill, Bo- Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator, the number one quarterback in the class in Julian Sayan from Alabama, the number one safety in the transfer portal from Alabama and Caleb Downs, yeah. and Quinshawn Judkins, the number one running back in the portal from Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah they, I'm, I'm actually That's writing hard. about that today, actually. they are Ohio State is pushing all the chips into the middle of the table because it's now or never for them. Mm-hmm. It's now or never, and and especially because it looks like Harbaugh, who has a second interview with the Chargers, according to Adam Schefter, and a second interview with the Falcons, he's going to take one of those jobs. Mm-hmm. So then he's out. They'll probably elevate Sharon Moore because they're panicked about what happened with Alabama and how Alabama completely got crushed in the portal because there was no continuity there. They'll they'll, they'll elevate Sh- so, Sharon Moore. So you're saying like uh, Notre, he's your coach, Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman, they elevated him. After yes, yeah. after Brian Kelly, because yes. they wanted to keep that that yeah. class together. Yeah, and believe me, I am a guy who thinks you do not worry about one recruiting class; you get the right I coach. I agree. But there are people that think that way. There are administrators that think that way. That oh my god, if we don't hire Sharon Moore, we're going to lose this class. Mm-hmm. We're going now. It's more than just we're going to lose this recruiting class. Now it's we're going to lose people off the roster. Yeah, but what, what, it does crack me up, and I would give him every opportunity to get the job. But you are talking about one of the bigger jobs in America being handed off to. Uh, an assistant that four and as a head coach there. That One not, scrub win, mm-hmm. and then wins over Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Yeah, he's also undefeated in epic post game interviews. Yeah, and, and and do you not tears in his eyes? I I guess. Tears you, alone. Uh, yeah. Julian saying though, in terms of the quarterbacks in this class, where did you see him projecting, Matt? Well, he's everybody has him as the one. I mean, if you go on huddle and you watch his tape, higher than DJ Lagway, the it. national high school player. He of the can year? throw it, man. He mm-hmm. can sling it. Wagway's no doubt about that. Everything. I wouldn't say it. Up. I don't want to hurt Joe. Yeah. No, yeah. It's not DJ Wagner. Come on. <laughs> Listen, you ain't hurting me. I'm sitting there on the on the sidelines just looking at it going, what in the hay? Okay, you ain't hurting me. All right, so into the 2 o'clock hour, Ryan Nielsen has been hired as your Jaguars defensive coordinator by Doug Peterson. So we're going to go up to the ATL and get a, a little more of a sense on what they th- uh, think of the guy. Coach Campbell's already let us know. He comes from the same stock as Coach did, Central Connecticut. Okay, so if that's where he came Round from. Round of applause. Yeah, which is where Coach Campo came from. Or the well, southern, dang it. southern New England, upper mid-Atlantic. That's a good seed. He's got to be good. All right, Big Surge, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. All right. All right, he's out the door. We will definitely get into that big piece of news with your Jaguars hiring the defensive coordinator. We are going to say hello to Miles Garrett. No, not the one you're thinking of. Fox 5 in Atlanta is coming up next. 2 o'clock hour of XL Primetime. We keep it rolling. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. 
the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures blowing up because everybody wants to know more about Ryan Nielsen. Who is this Jaguars reported defensive coordinator making his way down I-75 from the ATL to Duval County? So we figured we'd ask one of the best up there in the ATL. Miles Garrett of Fox 5 in Atlanta, the official station of the Atlanta Falcons, joins us now. Miles, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well today, yeah. How you doing? Fantastic. Appreciate you joining us on such short notice, but that is the nature of the coaching carousel. Sure, we will get a couple questions for you about Bill Belichick reportedly. Uh, you know, second round interview. Maybe he is the leading candidate, perhaps, for the Falcons' head coaching vacancy. But let's start with Nielsen. Big picture. I know I've spoken with several folks on the beat up there. What does Ryan Nielsen bring to Jacksonville? Lots and lots of pressure, if I had to answer that very simply. That was the biggest difference that he made for Atlanta. I think in year one, uh, coming off of D.C., D.C. is obviously a very well-respected, highly regarded defensive coordinator in this league, but wasn't working with a lot of good personnel his first two years in Atlanta. Ryan Nielsen was blessed to kind of come into Atlanta in a situation where he did have some cap space to work with finally. Um, But he made the most of it, especially early on in the season. I think down the stretch, Atlanta had some injuries that, really hurt them, especially with Grady Jarrett. But you saw kind of the impact of Jesse Bates, Calais Campbell, Caden Ellis, uh, Nate Landman, a lot of these guys that were all added in the offseason that proved to be huge for this Falcons team. And really it all came, like I was saying, through the pressures. The sack numbers weren't as good on paper, but they did double that number from last year to this past year with Ryan Nielsen. So I think that's the biggest difference that he will bring to the Jacksonville Jaguars just an added addition of, of pressure and attacking. That's what his, his team really is all about. We're talking with Miles Garrett, Fox 5 up in Atlanta, and Ryan Nielsen, the choice of Doug Peterson. And I, I, I love the idea of pressure, uh, stressing a quarterback, getting him off his spot. But, you know, personnel is just so important in that regard. So when you say, like, the type of coach, is he a detail-oriented coach? What type of words would you use to describe Ryan Nielsen? Yeah, definitely detail-oriented, but I, I think he's definitely a guy that puts his players in their best position to, to succeed. Uh, I think he uses a lot of his players' strengths very well, uh, especially the linebackers. Uh, I think we saw that a lot in Atlanta this past year, as I just mentioned, with guys like Caden Ellis and uh, Nate Landman, Troy Anderson, before he got a uh, season-ending injury there. But he kind of puts his linebackers in really good positions, whether that's blitz packages, or kind of coverage scenarios, I think that's where I saw the biggest improvement from this Falcons defense was in that regard. Jerry Gray, I think, will be an interesting name to watch. I don't know if uh, Nielsen will end up bringing him to Jacksonville as well, but he was also huge for the defensive backs in that arena with uh, A.J. Terrell, the emergence of rookie Clark Phillips, and obviously Jesse Bates the third back there in the secondary. But from his strengths, I do think he puts heavy emphasis on the trenches um, obviously there were some additions, like I just talked about on the defensive line with Grady Jarrett already in place, but he does put a lot of emphasis there. I think Arthur Smith kind of allowed him to do that as a guy who, you know, appreciates the trenches himself. He played offensive line in, in college. So I think those two kind of bonded over that. But that being said, I think those were his two biggest attributes for the Falcons defense. Miles, can you tell over the last couple of years that, that those players developed under him? Was there significant where you could say, okay, this guy's a different player now. That guy's a different player now. Yeah, Clark Phillips was the biggest guy for me just because he was a rookie. Um, he started off not a starter and ended the season cornerback, too, opposite A.J. Terrell. So he worked his development very well. Um, to answer your question, though, from that development standpoint, it, it was kind of hard to assess because the guys that they – like, it was basically a brand-new defense for Atlanta this right. year from a personnel standpoint. Uh, Grady Jarrett and A.J. Terrell were really the two 
mainstays that kind of were from the previous defense. Everyone else was almost completely new additions. Uh, Calais Campbell uh, brought brought on there. Zach Harrison was another guy, a rookie that brought in uh, that performed very well. David Onyemata was also a big name coming from New Orleans. He brought a lot of guys from the Saints where he previously was co-defensive coordinator. Uh, guys like I said, Landman and Ellis, those types, those types of guys. And uh, yeah, so it was it was kind of hard to sort of see progression because a lot of those guys were already established in this league. But uh, Clark Phillips definitely a guy that stood out. And as I said before, the the linebackers really, Caden Ellis and Nate Landman, you saw them each and every week, sort of around the ball and making plays, high impact plays. He's not the Miles Garrett you may be thinking of. He is at M-I-L-E-S Garrett TV on X, a sports reporter anchor up in Atlanta for Fox 5. Miles, I want to read a couple of uh, the tweets that I know have been circulating as Jacksonville Jaguar fans try to get an idea of who is Ryan Nielsen, what he could bring. And since you brought up linebackers, Matt Miller, the widely respected ESPN draft analyst, immediately quote tweeted Adam Schefter's report and said, this is great news for Trayvon Walker. Nielsen had a big role in developing Trey Henriksen, and that is his ideal defensive end type. Walker fits really well and had a nice sophomore season this year. Arrow is pointing up for him. Combining that with everything you've said, I would think Ryan Nielsen's running a 4-3, and while the Jaguars don't have the luxury of having perhaps as much cap space as the Falcons did last offseason, going on that free agent spending spree that then set them up to have success personnel-wise – I would think this means that, you know, the Jaguars either say goodbye to some players to make room for more Ryan Nielsen guys or pieces like Trayvon Walker are going to shift positions. Yeah, I certainly think that the Jaguars do have some good pieces there that uh, at least the foundation that Nielsen will be good to work with. A guy that I have my eye on outside of Trayvon Walker, of course, you know, we're all familiar with him up in Georgia. Uh, but it's another former Falcon, Foye Luica. Um, just sort of his versatility there in the linebacking unit. I'm not sure what his contract situation is down there in Jacksonville, but he's a guy that I think fits relatively well just because of his versatility. Um, I'm not sure about his, I know he makes a lot of tackles, so I'm not, not quite sure about his, his blitz uh, capabilities per se. He wasn't really a big stat guy in Atlanta, so I don't know if that's changed since he's been in Jacksonville, but pairing him with Walker, Josh Allen, all those types of guys, I think will be huge. And obviously, you know, you have to assume that whether it's the draft or free agency, Nielsen will bring in his guys that he sees fit. And again, it's, it's a new defensive coordinator, so there's certain to be some changes. But it's funny, when he was first hired, we did ask him, you know, are you going to run a 4-3, 3-4 scheme? And he never really answered that question. He kind of answered it by being, you know, it'll, it'll be whatever scheme it is this week. There'll be kind of a mixture. And he kind of really did that. It wasn't really a set scheme per se. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he runs the 4-3 down there. Yeah, it really is hybrid everywhere, that's for sure. A couple more for Miles Garrett, Fox 5 up in Atlanta as Ryan Nielsen's been tabbed by uh, Doug Peterson to be the new defensive coordinator. And, you know, the one thing when Doug ran out, basically the entire staff on that side of the ball, there were a couple of holdovers. Uh, you mentioned Jerry Gray. What is your thought on maybe other coaches that you think would come with Nielsen and would be good? So it's been interesting with that because the Falcons have been – kind of odd with who they've been blocking interviews with um, on the defensive side of the football because they previously blocked Ryan Nielsen from interviewing uh, with the Jaguars down mm -hmm. there. So I don't know if something has changed in the last week. Maybe they have a coach in mind or, you know, I know they're still conducting interviews, obviously, but perhaps that was something that they were considering, maybe hold the chance of keeping Ryan Nielsen, but obviously that's since changed. But uh, as far as guys who are well-respected, Frank Bush, uh, linebacking coach, very well-respected with the Falcons. I don't know if 
He's the guy that Ryan Nielsen would bring as well. Marquise Williams is another name that was previously blocked from interviewing at other places. He's Atlanta's special teams coordinator. So not quite sure if that's something that Ryan Nielsen would consider, obviously, because, you know, that's Marquise Williams not necessarily on the defensive side of the ball, more special teams. But one low-key guy I think Jacksonville should be looking out for is Dave Huxtable, uh, defensive assistant for the Falcons, who was very, very high on uh, uh, Ryan Nielsen, preseason especially, and uh, was really big there, kind of helping him out as sort of an assistant, per se. Um, he previously was with uh, Alabama with Nick Saban down there. So he was really big, kind of helping out with the, the trenches guys, guys on the defensive line. He'd be a name I'd watch. So, Miles, there's reports now that Jim Harbaugh is going to get a second interview with the Falcons as well as the Chargers. What do you think are the odds he ends up in Atlanta? And what, and what's so, what would be the reason why he chose Atlanta over the Chargers? And it's the million-dollar question right now. It's, it's who is going to be the guy. Because it seems like for the longest time, and even currently, Bill Belichick is the favorite. But obviously, yes, like you said, they have, been a re- they have requested for a second interview with Jim Harbaugh. I think the Falcons and Chargers, are the two most attractive jobs right now. And I think the only difference between the two is one of those teams is a franchise quarterback and the other one doesn't. I think Atlanta has a very good roster. But I do think that the uh, the Falcons have a roster that's more ready-made to win, whereas the Chargers just have more of that franchise quarterback, per se. So I think that's definitely the conversation Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, is going to be having with Jim Harbaugh this week now is that you know, a difference in, in personality. I know Jim Harbaugh tends to perhaps run people the wrong way. I uh, don't know if that's still the case, uh, but I think Jim Harbaugh will certainly have his pick of places, but it seems like the Chargers and Falcons are the only ones he's interested in right now. Brief crossover, right, during your South Bend days with old Jimmy Harbaugh? Oh, yeah. No, I remember covering Notre Dame, Michigan. That's probably the most miserable game I've ever covered down there, 40 degrees oh. and raining. So uh, it wasn't a great memory for me. Hey, we're glad we got you back in the Southeast, brother man. Miles Garrett TV, that's M-I-L-E-S on X if you want to follow him and the rest of the great Fox 5 sports crew because I know they are working around the clock trying mm-hmm. to figure out who will be that head coach of yeah. the Atlanta Falcons. So real quick, Miles, before you go, if you had to guess, who's the who's the head coach and who's the quarterback for the Falcons on opening day at this current juncture? At this current juncture, if I had to answer right now, I would say Bill Belichick just because of what we've been hearing. Um, and I think he brings in a veteran quarterback. I don't think he takes a rookie quarterback to develop. I think we're talking a Kirk Cousins, a Russell Wilson, perhaps. Uh, I doubt Justin Fields, but that would be my best assumption. <laughs> All right, Miles. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, it, it, I like what he said about Nielsen. And, and obviously, Falcons fans out there, they're like uh, you're wondering you know, who that next guy is going to be. And then not only if they do tab Belichick as their head coach, what are they going to do with the – with the quarterback, but he mentioned the guys that he mentioned on the defensive side of the ball, they should be in play in, in Jaguar fans mind out there because this, we are talking about it suggests to me, Doug Peterson is giving that guy the Liberty to hire his staff. It sounds, it would, it, it, it would well, suggest I mean, I would, that. I would imagine if, if you're yeah. going to get, if you're going to hire DC, right. you're going to give him the and let him get his guys. You're not going to tell him I got this guy and this guy and that guy. For right. You. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, I'm glad you asked Miles yeah. that question, Joe, because the Frank Bush one is very fascinating because yeah. he was a holdover from the previous regime who coached Foye Lewican in his first four years in Atlanta. And you have guys, in Nielsen's case, from New Orleans 
inside the division to Atlanta. A couple of other ones went through uh, Titans country mm-hmm. in gray. And the other thing was gray had an assistant head coach title along with the uh, yep. secondary, which you have to wonder whether that is in play here uh, because he was trying to move him. Basically he had to give him that title when he moved him onto the Atlanta staff, but not as the DC. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you guys hit it six four one ten ten. Hit the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures as far as what you think of this guy because, honestly, there's a lot of guessing, but you, what you want to see more than anything else on that side of the football is for them to get back to dominating. Mondays on XL Primetime, brought to you by Mokama. Check out their great craft in the tap room at Fernandina Beach. So you can see one off the text line. You guys can keep offering it up as far as what you like about what you heard from Miles Garrett, the pass-rushing Fox 5 reporter up there uh, in the ATL, uh, talking about what Ryan Nielsen will bring to the table and potential hires that come along with him. Uh, one off the text line, excited to see how we'll use T. Walker. Uh, he seemed to run a bunch of 4-3 and, and likes to play man. Nielsen will need some pieces uh, certainly when you take a look at the potential of what Trayvon Walker can do with his hand on the ground. And then the question is, wonder if Calais will do one more year. Kind of doubt that. Uh, there's only so much left, in, even in Calais Campbell's tank. You never know, but it would probably be a little too pricey uh, for something like that to happen. Know this. They need to get guys like, like Calais in the interior part of this defensive line to crash the boards, to quote, collapse the pocket which does not get talked about enough you've got to collapse the pocket it's the only way a pass rusher is going to be able to get home and do his deal so what I'm fascinated on that front first of all I double checked Mm -hmm. at Calais it was a one-year deal that he Mm -hmm. signed with the Atlanta Falcons so he is technically a free agent Um, what I was curious is akin to and granted part of it was they finally had cap space in Atlanta last offseason but akin to many situations where a new head coach comes in and wants his guys could there be some bloodletting to that roster in Atlanta, i.e., you know, do they say goodbye to, you know, they just signed Jesse Bates, so I would think not. They just signed on Yamada, I would think not. There do, might do, be. They, do they try to, you know, if it's Bill Belichick, if it's Jim Harbaugh, do they try to say goodbye to some of those players to bring in some of their own and free up cap space, and in turn, would you then target them for this defense that, again, looked very different than the defense the year prior, and part of it was they had the money to spend. You know, he mentioned Grady Jarrett once the injury took place, how it was a different uh, defense down the stretch. And he want to talk about a great success story. Grady Jarrett's a great success yeah. story. He really, really is. And, and so those types of guys can come up middle round draft pick, that type of deal, and, and can make plays. So who knows where they go and find those guys. And I don't know whether they would be cast-offs or whatever, leftovers from the Falcons. But those types of guys you absolutely need on this football team. I so, do. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that, it. you know, Miles was saying that it's pressure, pressure, pressure. And if, if, if I'm a DC in the NFL right now and you're going up against a guy like Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. I'd much rather pressure because mm-hmm. he's going to kill you. You specter, he will absolutely kill you. If you're going up against Josh Allen, I'd much rather pressure. Yeah, and you've got to play some zone. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But the majority of what you do has to be with the idea of getting him off his mark, getting the quarterback off the mark. That's the key in the NFL. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't think there was nearly enough pressure, pressures, as far as packages, the classic getting line. after the quarterback with this with this team last yeah, year, the they, class- they were very much cover two. Mm-hmm. Let's play let's play two safeties high. 
and hopefully we'll get home with four. And you, yeah. you can't. That doesn't happen. Uh, the classic line is you can go to any defense really that's been here, and I'm sure others as well, but it would just drive a, a Duval or crazy, is that you would see them send guys, and then the classic line was they wouldn't get home. They wouldn't get home. But they and, did and, this year. Yeah, they did. But two guys would end up in the same lane and just right. really get stuck in just some dumb things that were being done. Uh, and, and Coach, we'll talk about this tomorrow, but it's, the, it's infuriating. When you feel like you've called a good enough blitz on a play where you get, like, if you No, think, I understand, but at this yeah. point, this year, Cisco got home, Jenkins got home, Herndon got home. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think he did it enough. Maybe not. I don't and, think there was enough of that. And that matches up with what I know I've heard, I know several others have heard, that Doug Peterson wanted Todd Bowles, and he didn't get necessarily the full Todd Bowles and Mike Caldwell. Right. He mm-hmm. wanted those blitzes. He wanted the pressure. Right, Todd because Todd Bowles remember, was getting after it. Remember what he did to Jalen Hurts a, a couple of uh, Monday Night Football ago? He sent the house over and right. over and over. Not only just not like packages, let, he went zero blitz. Yeah, he over wasn't going to over over. He wasn't going to let Hurts breathe. Right. Uh, if he wasn't lined up in the in the in the hurt spurt, then he was you know he was running for his life back there, and and that's what Bowles is so good at. One of my other good friends in the sports media world, who is a diehard Atlanta Falcons fan since birth, although he grew up in Boston, uh, my guy T.J. Horgan with Fantasy Pros, who has been following them his whole life, he mm-hmm. said one of the best pass rush units they've had in years. Mm-hmm. And you look at the personnel in Atlanta; it's not like no. They, no. have, they have the other Miles Garrett in Atlanta. They didn't have that Miles Garrett. Look well, what they were able to do with the guys they had. Yeah, it's funny if you take – let's just use B. John Robinson as an example. What was Arthur Smith criticized for? Not using him properly, right? Uh, he would do more uh, out of the backfield catching the ball than he would do running. It, whatever. It, it drove Falcon fan crazy. Well, at the very least, it sounds like Ryan Nielsen on his side of the ball was using guys properly. And, and so if he does come in here, and let's just say Trayvon, and I do believe this, and Coach believes this, and I think we all have shared this at one point or another, I want to see him like full-time hand on the ground and, and see, what he, see what he can. And that means he can be an inside and an outside guy uh, in a 4-3. I'm okay with that. I, don't, I, just, I, I look at it like I, I think you're better off right now in the NFL with the quarterback mm-hmm. plays so high, you are better off right now pressing a quarterback than sitting back because you're going to die by 1,000 cuts. Mm-hmm. Instead well, of just zone. instead of just well you you may you may die when somebody gets beat. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. Like, but I just think you have a better shot of disrupting what they're doing schematically. But you've heard so many great than quarterbacks. You do if you're just sitting back there and just but you've heard so praying. many great, great hope hope actually right. Matt. Yeah, you've heard so many hope great is not a plan. So many great quarterbacks invite the blitz. Bring it, bring it, bring it. I'll beat it every single time. I'm gonna throw right where yeah, you're coming. Very very few actually do though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thinking of the great ones, of course, but. Zone like Joe Flacco, it should have just been zero blitz, zero blitz, zero blitz, that zero blitz, every single time. Yeah, that would have been fine with me. That's for sure. All right, we'll stay on Ryan Nielsen. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll also uh, take a look around the rest of the National Football League. Our final thoughts on the divisional round as we get you set for championship weekend in the National Football League coming up this Sunday. This is a Mokama Monday on XL Primetime. It's Mokama Monday on XL Primetime. Head to the tap room at Fernandina Beach every day that ends with Y and enjoy some Mokama. One more segment to go on a Mokama Monday edition of XL Primetime. Mia O'Brien, Joe C., Matt Hazley on Cersei already out the door. Hope you're having a great Monday thus far. We continue with the news of the day at the Jaguars set to hire Ryan Nielsen out of Atlanta to fill their defense coordinator vacancy. 
And as we continue that discussion, personnel was a big thing that was brought up in our conversation with Miles Garrett of Fox 5 in Atlanta earlier in the 2 o'clock hour. And our good friend John Shipley of Jaguar Report just tweeted, I think the odds of the Jaguars taking a corner early in the 2024 draft, i.e. the number 17 pick, went up today. Hmm. Really? Okay. I, look, we'll, we'll, we'll go through all the possibilities, but you are looking at uh, deficiencies in this football team. Where were the biggest ones and where does it fit positionally, you know, with where you fall in the draft? And I corner. Yeah, I don't know whether that uh, if they don't pick a big guy on either side of the right. line of scrimmage, something's really well, like wrong. Well, like he's like John's really playing wrong. John's playing a hunch, just taking a look at the style of play and, and, and whatnot with the guys that are signed here. Campbell's gonna be coming up for a contract. Uh Darius, you have to make a decision on expense wise. Uh you really don't have a third corner that you could lock in on. You had Buster Brown out there a bunch. You had Trey Herndon and uh Gregory Jr. didn't stay healthy, unfortunately, for him uh, in that nickel spot. <clears throat> so it's not impossible because we got this whole you know evolution of draft talk over the next few months just to see where they go. But they listen. Think about again. This, why do the Chiefs have a six-round pick starting a corner? Why, yeah. why can these franchise develop players and this one can't? Well, yeah, I think we know the success has been there and has been proven over time. The success here has not been proven over right, time. Right, but I guess my point is you can get a corner yeah. in the yeah. third Steve or fourth Spagnola, or fifth round. Steve uh, Spagnuolo, ever heard of him? Pretty good. You're not going to get a big impact offensive lineman or defensive lineman. Yeah. Or you're not going to say you're not going to. It's rare that you do in yeah. later rounds. Sneed, by the way, who gave up his first touchdown of the season last night, fourth mm -hmm. round pick. Mm -hmm. Fourth? Yeah. I think he's a free agent this upcoming offseason, oh. too. Yeah, so Just file that one away. Yeah, so look, there there are so many different examples that we can point to of success stories in, in other NFL towns. Uh, this one's got to get it right through coaching, through developing, through challenging uh, players, putting them in good spots, game plan. We always talk about game plan offensively. How about game plan defensively? This team gave up scores and scores of yards. Just take a look at the numbers. They let teams feast on them passing the football. And they've got to fix that part of it. And Campbell, through injury or whatever, didn't quite have the season that, that Jaguar fans were hoping. And the two pass rushers actually did. Had more than people would have imagined. Me and Coach Campbell got our, our, our uh, nine your mind uh, t-shirts with nine plus your mind t-shirts <laughs> for Trayvon. Uh, and so, yeah, they've got to figure out exactly where they're going to go. I wouldn't mind a big man in the middle. I wouldn't mind the lineman like you're talking about, Matt, uh, but, man, they better get it right. And, Balky, don't use 74 picks in this draft. If you've got a mauler sitting there at 17, an inside interior guy, yeah. I think really hard about oh, I, I taking agree. him there, man. Uh, you know, I've been on the soapbox for the interior for a long time, not just this year, but for a long time because they, they do not have the dominant figures inside like they need to. I would equate corner for those who may not do this this is how the front offices think corner wide receiver I understand you know the thought of a wide receiver at number one overall a few years ago was scoffed at mm -hmm. but a premier wide receiver in the first round so many of you were like well yeah they, they, they go like hotcakes you got to get them front offices view cornerbacks in the same light well, it, is, always... it is considered a premium position that you can draft in the first round you need an elite guy and I agree can you develop guys certainly but when your cornerback's under contract in 2025, that's not this upcoming season, that's the next season, are Monteric Buster Brown and Christian Braswell, yeah. and that's it. And I guess Gregory Jr. technically also under contract. Yeah. Those yeah. three, that's it. 
that that's where you say, okay, either we need to go draft a bunch of guys in the fifth, sixth round and hope they hit, throw a bag at a veteran corner that season, or we need to go high in this draft to prepare for the future. Because you always talk about the, the the key positions. You can put them in whatever order you want, but you must have quarterback at the top. And then you decide the next most important position, protect the tackle, or excuse me, protect the quarterback or rush the quarterback and then be on the island. The cornerback is like the next guy that goes on that list. And so I'm not minimizing it, but – you you got to make sure that there's guys putting pressure on quarterbacks. Well, let me throw this out to make to you. that cornerback look what, good. What if what if you trade down? Okay, because we've seen they like trading down. Mm-hmm. What if you trade down to like the early twenties or mid twenties and Cedric Van Pran's there, mm-hmm. center? You take him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're if you're telling me like I he haven't broken picked down yet, you take him. Yeah, uh, if you're telling me he's a ten year guy in the middle and he's physical and strong and smart, well, yeah. But let's be truthful here. In the third round a year ago, when Luke Fortner played ago. every snap. We thought he was going to develop into a very, very good center this year. We really did. Right, but you can't – I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and oh, over. Oh, I know. I, uh, yeah, I'm not – I'm, I yeah. just don't see a world in which they literally get that far out in front of it and say we made a mistake two years ago. I foresee a guard in the third or fourth round that has center flexibility because right. don't forget you got a gaping hole as of right now. Ezra Cleveland not on the roster, not on right. contract next year. Yeah. You have a gaping hole at left guard unless you're planning yeah. on sliding and, Walker Little back there. So that's that's where you could kind of cover up your mistakes a little bit, Matt. I would say, and I can confirm this in talking with people at the bank. Like if you get that guard in the let, let, let's say you go guard in the third round, who's your plug and play left guard, or even if you were to go let's say tackle, but who's expected to slide into guard in the first or second round, right? Then you come back later in the fourth, fifth round with another guard, and that's a guy who you say, oh, well, he's kind of like a Shatley developmental piece. Well, let's be real. But also has center experience too, and that's where then you start putting the pressure on Luke Fortner in that position. Brandon Sheriff needs There's to be that too. Yep. So let's, let's be honest about this. And I think uh, either, 100%. Yeah, either you or Leon said it earlier, Matt, the interior three. He also may retire. He's I, who knows. Right. He's exactly. a lot of injuries this exactly. year. Exactly, and so this was not uh, obviously the last two years of his career not ideal for Jaguar fan. It really wasn't, unfortunately. No, when they signed it's a him, a lot he, like you know Norwood. Yeah, a lot like him. I Norwell. Hate, Norwell. Sorry, yeah, I, I hate me, saying Norwell. that. You could just say uh, like I hate putting him in that pile. But it's true. Yeah. It's well, uh, Norwell played one good year and then and it fell off a cliff. Yeah, it just so happened his was at the end actually. And? So yeah. Norwood so, was in the news a lot. Yeah, lately, Norwood uh, today <laughs> because right. wide right. Can you imagine, uh, like the 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 early '90s going to the Super Bowl four times and your best chance to win was the first one, and you missed that kick. And who knows historically how they would be viewed, how different they they were. I don't mind Bills Mafia suffering just a little bit, but from that wide right to this wide right, and the number of times that. Josh Allen uh, has like here, here's a. They quote. also don't have any more teams. Yeah, it's here, like it's not not like oh basketball season now we can watch the Buffalo yeah. Knicks. Yeah, they get to see him skate up there. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, they have yeah, hockey. Yeah, they they got hockey. But listen to this. Okay, this is a quote. I pray that I get to spend the rest of my career playing with him. There's not a single person on this team that wouldn't say the same. Every game, he's got blood, cuts, bruises, literally putting his body on the line every single play for all of us. He really is a warrior, a modern-day gladiator. 
That's Dawson Knox on Josh Allen. We're all man's man here, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's a gladiator, all right. But Josh (laughs) Allen is viewed as that guy that does everything. But right now up in Buffalo, we're probably saying he does almost everything. Why couldn't he just do that, that, that open post route in the middle of the end zone that he couldn't get to or the third and – was it third and nine that he couldn't, couldn't make the play on? It, it, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed watching Josh Allen this year. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, and it sucks for him, uh, but Mahomes just a little bit better. I mean, honestly, they gave, they gave up on the run too soon too there. Yep, couldn't yeah. agree more. Because I mean, that's, how you're, that's also how you're going to run clock too in the last drive there. Mm-hmm. They had they, they they got the ball with what five minutes to go. There was no doubt they had to do the four minute drill and take as much as they possibly could out of that clock. Yeah, they were running the because ball. If he got the ball back again, well. he was winning the game. Yeah, yeah. They were running the ball extremely well. And then to get the gift of all gifts, that fumble. Yeah, the gift when, when McCall Hardman when they ruled that he. Oh, fumbled. I thought you were talking about on the last drive when the Bills fumbled. Oh, when but Josh they Allen. got it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so yeah, you're right. Those are two huge gifts. Mm-hmm. And, and just unfortunately for him. He was not able to take advantage of it. And let's go back in time. He even – they didn't win that game against Philly, right? That was one of the last games that Philly won. Right. And remember how great he was in that game? But all the injuries – want to talk about injuries as an excuse? Defensively, they had their share. They had a mighty a share. too with the rain. And the, oh. Yeah, of injuries uh, that they had to deal with. But, hey, that, that's what it is. He, he will be judged uh, on those, uh, you know, micro moments uh, at the end of the ballgame. Uh, let's say hello to the Friends Show coming up next. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Lauren Brooks joins us now. Friends Show getting ready to roll. And we started off our show saying this time a year ago, Jaguar talk was all about moving on. And this is where it all ended a season ago. It- Not even part of it this go around. Yeah, it does feel like Patrick Mahomes is never going to lose, doesn't it? Like the Jaguars had him on the ropes, uh, not so fast. Yeah. Uh, and literally on the ropes as far as like the ankle. And then, yeah, and then you find the Chiefs fumbling out of the end zone. You think maybe the Bills could win this game, and then no. And I, by the way, I don't vividly remember the Scott Norwood miss mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Just how devastating that had to be then yesterday for people who were probably there in 1991 and then there yesterday yeah. too. And, and they were dreaming of finally breaking through, getting to the AFC Championship game. And, and it's happened in so many different ways to them. That's the most painful part. Uh, so I'm sure you'll be getting into that one and all the others. Yeah, absolutely. We are efforting for the Falcons color, color commentator, I swear I can talk today, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Archer, to join us on Ryan Nielsen, as you guys have discussed and also talked to someone from Atlanta on him and, and just how that'll change the Jaguars' defense. And interesting, of course, like you said, that uh, now Mike Caldwell interviewing up in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. The irony, the turntables. But more importantly, Lauren, that means uh, Nick Sirianni probably not going anywhere in Philadelphia. Yeah, and they announced that he'll have a press conference to, or Wednesday with uh, Howie Roseman. So, yeah, I think he's safe. Mike McCarthy's safe. It, this coaching carousel, it, I felt like it was going to speed up, and now it's right back to very slow. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll be listening. All right, thanks. All right, Francis Show coming up. Uh, and as we talk about old, familiar uh, names, Tom Coughlin helping Antonio Pierce. Yes. Uh, doing a little advising. I was really excited when yeah. I heard that. Just, hey, I go back to my youth watching mm-hmm. that team mm-hmm. win the Super Bowl. Antonio Pierce, such a, a vital part of that 2008 Super Bowl run. But also for our guy, TC. Yeah. Obviously, I know it, it's been a tough year plus uh, since we lost Miss Judy. Yeah. And I, I think that this is something for him. Like, just like the foundation, he he loves having something to put his energy oh, into. Yeah. And I'm sure this is 
you know, even just think of, you know, Coach Campo, like how much energy he attacks each day with us. I think Coach needed something like that. So it's, yeah. it's good to hear. It was good to hear. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. So Mia's Mock Draft Monday won't start till after the players, but uh, mm-hmm. I have been playing around with those Mock Draft simulators, starting to do some early preliminary tape watching, and even after the news of Ryan Nielsen coming to Jacksonville and bringing more of a man-look defense, I, I still just can't get away. If, if you're the Jags, at the very least, if you want to bank on the guys you have in the building, you have one more year of Tyson Campbell under contract, Darius Williams under contract, you don't know if you have Brandon Scherf under contract. You don't know if you have Tyler Shatley under contract this upcoming year. You don't know if you're going to say goodbye to Cam Robinson. And so uh, I just ran through another simulation. I'm still taking two to three offensive linemen. <laughs> uh, my takeaway is I'm taking big guy either side of the ball, not only in free agency, but in drafts as well. At I'll be talking. Point, at some point, it's a line of scrimmage game, period. I'll be talking about golf with my takeaway. It's the only time this will be mentioned today, but there's a new Nick in Tuscaloosa, and his name is Nick Dunlap. Uh, and this is the first guy since 1991 when Mickelson did it, the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour, and this guy was lights out good. Reigning U.S. amateur and now PGA Tour winner. So congrats to Nick Dunlap, that's for sure. Played in the junior players, too, back yeah. in 2019. Shout out to uh, my boy Ben Edwards, my good friend, who, uh, of course, was his caddy back then. Yeah, well, he he is something else. Very, very impressive, that's for sure. Uh, you'll be impressed with Mokama Beer Company when you head on into the tap room in Fernandina Beach or their brand-new location in Wildlight. Both of them up in Nassau County, but you can also find them on the shelves at ABC or Total as you're picking up some great craft. That is a local brewery, so support them if you can. Check out Mokama.com. We are out. Joe C., me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes, Big Sirs, and JJ. Got the Francis Show rolling in.